Boy, that, that's such good music to put me in the mood for Christmas. It's Wednesday, everybody. <laughs> the next one? Yeah, or this one? The next one. It's January the 3, you know, 2018. I'm Wong Hughes. And Happy New Year, Patricia. Happy New Year, Walden. Aww. Happy New Year, everybody. We're going... Do you know, legally, I have declared, declared, we can say Happy New Year right up to June 30th. <laughs> and then we can say Merry Christmas because we're, we're on the second half. We can say Merry Christmas. And we say it all during the month of July. And then we'll just get prepared for you. What do you think about that? that, that, that that's an interesting compromise. We we'll, we'll have to negotiate. Because you know me, I might want to swap over Merry Christmas in, once in a while. Uh, okay, yeah. that sounds fair. Once in a while, you know. We can we can create um, Again. Merry Christmas on Valentine's Day, <laughs> on St. Patrick's Day, stuff like that there. Very true. Mm-hmm. We are live, everybody. It's Wednesday night, so you can give us a call at 714-545-2071. We're on the red and the blue. That's Patricia. I'm Walden. Mike is on vacation till so January the 10th. And Bill's not feeling too well tonight and probably won't be on the show tomorrow. So Patricia and I will plan to hold a fort together the next two nights. And Patricia will be here until about midnight. Then I want her to get ready because she, she had a big day. And, <laughs> a and, medium big day, yeah, yes. And confrontation and the doctor. And the confrontation wasn't with the doctor. <laughs> And, and um, yeah, confrontation was okay under the circumstances. Patricia. I my toes and said, no, Patricia. no. Patricia can be feisty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. You know. I've reserved my feistyhood for the right circumstances. You pick and choose. I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm picky. I told you about the sermon I was listening to when I was traveling up to Barbers one time. Mm-hmm. I was on Route 10, and I just loved it when I got up north. I, I would usually find a, a preacher who had a flock in front of him. This, these were pre-recorded, right. I guess, most of them, because I used to go up quite late at night. And I found one who was an absolutely fabulous speaker. And he had this really rich southern uh, accent. Yep. And he was the one who was trying to help his people measure what they use their energy on. And he resorted to a cute comparison. He said, a bulldog can whip a skunk any old time, but some things just ain't worth it. <laughs> and I have always loved that, just loved it. Keeps things in perspective. It's true. It, there is. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really the old thing about relationships. A good relationship is when both sides have so much respect for each other that the relationship is, is the most important thing. So when there's issues that come up, both sides will give in. Sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes maybe one side will give in more than the other, and the other time the other side will give in more. But sometimes there's That's always right. that little mm-hmm. compromise to keep peace. So, yeah. And it's sort of the old saying, it's better to lose... With the ocean, it's better to lose the battle than than to, to win the war. Sometimes you don't, mm-hmm. you know, when you when you run a relationship, you you want it to stay together. 
Exactly. Yeah. And as you say, it's, it's give and take on both sides. It's mm-hmm. not 50-50 like people like to say. Sometimes it's 20-80, sometimes yeah. it's 60-50 or 40-60-40, and sometimes 50-50. Not, but it always comes out to 100. Yeah. Can I have a relationship totally 100%? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's, somebody, there's always some people who give more than the others, but the ones who give more need to feel that it's worth it to them to put in that extra 20% or 10% or whatever just because of circumstances, you know? Mm-hmm. So, that's just my thought. If you have a different thought out there, we love to talk philosophy around here. I think that Patricia's one of Patricia's great majors that she hasn't studied that is philosophy in life, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought of something that would be a really good theme for tonight. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. That's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need to walk around with a pad and a pencil. That has happened to me since I was a little kid. Come up with this great idea and say, okay, I'll write it down later. And when later comes, it's not there. Well, I guess probably explain why Steve Allen train himself to have a little handheld tape recorder so whatever he had thought he hit the button and put it on tape and then he had his mm-hmm. secretary type it up and so he went through it and compiled it and 46 books later he had a few author titles under his name you know I guess so I guess so well I have I have a current event question for you Oh, and I need to mention a passing, too. So, oh, uh, sure. Go. Yeah. Um, those of the old-time radio family will recognize this gentleman. If you ever read probably the very first book on old-time radio, the big broadcast, was put out by two gentlemen, Bill Owen and Frank Buxton. And Frank Buxton uh, passed away yesterday. He mm. was... He was a, a, a film... He was a TV director, a TV host... For discovery, um, a very a good actor and great on trivia. Anyway, he passed away yesterday, at age eighty-eight. So we had to take note of that. So just one, and then uh, also I have mentioned that Patric- our friend Ben Cooper passed away here not too long ago. Oh dear. Yeah. So we're on a bit of a run of losing our some of our radio family at the moment. Yeah. So. Oh, gosh. And Ben Cooper did a lot of television also. Yeah, he sure did. sure Mm. did. All right, my dear, back to you. Oh, back to me. This is Current Events Question. Yeah. In 2017, Instagram put out numbers of which places, not people, but which places were Instagrammed the most. In 2017, what do you think it was? Are we talking like generic places, like, like somebody's kitchen, somebody's bathroom, or would it be like oh, no, actual? No. Not, no, not individuals, okay. a thing. So we'll say like okay. maybe the Empire State yeah. Building or, yeah. Um, my, my, I think National Park. What's a, uh, what's a Yellowstone National Park? No, was not a National Park. Mm. Two more tries. Okay. Well, my guess would be probably the uh, the area of nine eleven, maybe in there in New York City. Hmm. Well, that's really interesting. No, it was Disneyland. 
Now, Instagrammed location. Mm-hmm. I hate it when they when they cut corners on information. I don't know if it was Instagrams that went directly to Disneyland offices and employees and information locations, or if excuse me, they took the location as a total of Instagram, so people who are in the park would be sending them back and forth as well. I don't know that. That should be my guess, yeah. Yeah, it was, I don't even have any numbers. I wish they would expand this stuff. Anyway, it was Disneyland number two in New York, Central Park. So that must have been people. That includes people. Mm -hmm. You can't call Central Park very often. I wonder if they still got the um, horse and buggy in, in Central Park. They, they still buy oh, the, the, um, the carriage, mm, the carriage rides. I yeah. don't know. I do not know. So if somebody calls in and starts talking, I'll do a quickie check. Sure. I can do that. I think so, one of the mayors are planning to take yeah. care to remove that. And I thought that's supposed to be part of the, ch- the charm of Central Park is to yeah. ride a horse. Yeah. Know. Well, number two was, uh, isn't that interesting? Um, now, number two was Central Park. Number three, the Eiffel Tower. And number four was Paris. Well, Eiffel Tower's in Paris and the city of Paris. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, that's interesting. If they did the Eiffel Tower in Paris. Is the Eiffel Tower in Paris yeah. proper? Yeah. It is? Yeah. I'm I, showing my geography weakness here. Well, no, I I could have been there, and my That's mom, cheating. my mom, my uncle Jim and I took the ride up, and we didn't go all the way up. We took it. They had you know different elevators to get up to the. So we uh-huh. went up. We went up so far, and, and do they have do they have dining, uh, in different places, or do you have to go to the top for that? I don't know. I have no idea. We I I, I wasn't aware of if they did, um. Some places do, but not, I don't know about the Eiffel Tower. Don't know. So we need somebody from France then, too. Yeah, we do. Uh, we do. Oh, and who can understand my convoluted questions sometimes. If, you, if, you, if you're in Perth, France, um, mm-hmm. you can email Patricia 24 hours a day and answer her questions. She's a good, mm-hmm. she's a good pen pal. And yeah, I am. You, you're a good pen pal for pe- people. So, if you if you can go to the ISO Tower, and take pictures for Patricia of the different levels and different restaurants, and email them to her, and she will be all ready for this Saturday to give us a de- detail of the yeah. ISO Tower. Do it, do it, do it. So at floridawriter at hotmail.com here in Paris, or if you're planning to travel to Europe this summer. And you like to be the roving reporter for Yesterday USA in Europe on Saturday night? Email Patricia, and she'll make sure you have our email address. Because you'll know, because if you email Patricia, then you must have our email address. But for- <laughs> <laughs> this is, There you go. You for- are so profound sometimes. Thank you, my dear. For the writer oh, at yeah. Hotmail.com. So, love to have, we'd love to have you to be a correspondent in Paris for us. Yay, yay. <laughs> okay, well, I got, an, I got, I have another tidbit. Mm-hmm. Aretha Franklin, the singer yes. who did J. 
jazz sometimes yep. and did pop and did all sorts Rock of Rock and roll, yeah. Uh-huh. She was the first woman to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and that was in 1987. Um, I started to think about that, but 1987 is not that far away. Mm -hmm. I don't know. When was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame founded? I don't know. Somewhere in the mid-'80s, though. Really? Yeah. That late? The one in the Cleveland? No kidding. Yeah, the one in Cleveland? Yeah. That? Somewhere in the 80s. But she, to me, I wonder if we could come up with people who are more well-known. Like, maybe maybe I'm, this is my ignorant rock and roll. I'm not a rock and roll expert. Somebody like Jim or, or Ron or one of our other family members or Jim Goff would be better than this than I would. But mm -hmm. the ones I would think of early... Or the Supreme with D Diane Ross, you know. To me, the Supremes would be one of the first female singing group I would induct into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Maybe yeah. there, maybe the others before them, but th that's the one I think of. Yeah. At the same time, I am guessing that they took her career, the length of her career, okay. and the success in her career. They would uh, have taken that into consideration, and the Supremes were pretty new, new in the sense that uh, they made their their big hits in either the '50s or the '60s, but it was not a forever deal. No, so Diane went off on her own and had such a you know a mega career after mm -hmm. the Supremes, and you know Marie Wilson and I forgot the other gal's name. You don't, they never had a you know they were such a. They, mm -hmm. they, they were so hot for that short period of time. Yeah. 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 Well, at the time, oh, she is known, so this some of this might have come after her installation. Uh, Say a Little Prayer, mm -hmm. that was Aretha Franklin, uh, She and Respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Yeah, that's the one I know. Um, that's the one do I know. Do you? Okay. Yeah. And Freeway of Love, I don't think I ever heard that one. Do you recognize that? Nope. Hmm. Nope. Well... Up to today, she has won a total of 18 Grammy Awards. Wow. 75 million records worldwide. Wow. 10 solo female performances and 13 groups containing at least one female performer have been added since the Hall admitted its first woman. It'd be interesting so. to see the list if, we would, if you and I would even recognize some of the other people. Yeah, that's interesting. I said, okay, I'm making my homework Maybe that's here. Maybe that's a for this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Good. just a minute. Homework, homework. Mm -mm. List of... I have to do this so I can read it, right? Yeah. We we probably have a better chance under the Country Music Hall of Fame, but Rock and Roll would be an interesting mm -hmm. beta test for us. Okay, so. I will do my homework. There was one other thing I have on my list, and I have to do it. I have to do it. Can I think of Richard okay. Frank as only being blues or jazz? I, interesting. So I guess we'll find out about mm -hmm. her rock and roll background. Yep. Well, she's also the queen of soul. Yeah, true. Respect was not soul. That was rock and roll. It's almost bluesy, though. Yeah, she does have a bluesy. I believe she was the one who did 
a duo with George Michael, mm-hmm. who has since died, and it was they were spectacular together. Mm. It just had such a wonderful sound. Uh, but I wonder what she's doing now. She's probably still perform. She's a listener to Patricia on Saturday night. So if you're listening, we uh, we would love to have you on. Oh boy, would we ever! <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Okay, let's see now. What else do we have here? What kind of a day do you think it should have been somewhere, anywhere? Today's day, it was cold. Um, mom was oh boy. mom was saying, um, looked like a lot of the country got hit with snow. And we're supposed to have like three days of rain next week, and you know, so so it'll be interesting to see how much more of the roof gets done mm-hmm. here. And the water meter person came today and installed the water meters three days early, and he made a mistake. He forgot to shut off the water at a different location, so when he tapped in, he had all this water gushing out while he was trying to put the new meter on the city property. So, poor guy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, what a mess for that man. Well, How cold was it outside for him to have to work cold. in? It was probably somewhere in the high defeat today, you know. Did you have a wind? No. No wind. No. Yeah. We, we crept out of the 30s. There were some places surrounding area. I think where I am right now, it probably didn't go anything below middle 40s, somewhere around there. But right now, it is 50 degrees, which is very cool for this time of the year for us. And we usually get one jolt in December or January. So I'm hoping this is our jolt. Sometimes, do you remember the year it was below oh, freezing for two weeks? Yeah. I, it oh, yeah. Oh, I was, was bundled so up right up to my eyelashes. Okay, I'll put on Patricia's Christmas list for the future, a electric blanket. Oh, no, no, no. I, no, I had an electric blanket one time, and I didn't like it. I can't tell you why. It just didn't feel like a nice, warm, natural I love. I love my electric blanket. I know you do. Okay, so we got to get, we got, let's see, wool mittens? Nah, that wouldn't work on the computer. Earmuffs? She couldn't use the phone. We got to figure out something. <laughs> oh, I could have an earmuff on one ear and the phone on the other. That will keep it warm. That's oh, true. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I did do some homework mm-hmm. on the road is it the road of life or to life? Yes, road, road of, of life. life. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, the road of life. Well, I didn't go to John Dunning's book okay. because it was on the other side of the room. That's okay. And John Dunning's stuff is usually on the Internet, and it was on the Internet. Right. Mm. And it is a very long dealie here. But one of the first dealies was uh, just a, a brief note about um, (laughs) what went on with that show. And it said, this was just the the one sentence dealie, this old-time radio soap opera centered on a handsome young doctor, Jim Brent, and his wife, Jocelyn, in the small town of Merrimack. As the heroine of a medical drama, Jocelyn would suffer from almost every dread disease known to mankind. (laughs) (laughs) So... I thought that was pretty good. But John has a, a really big write-up here, and a lot. The, the cast over the years was huge, yeah, just huge, because it, it ran from, what, 
gosh. About 39, right? Or 40? Uh, it started in 1937. 22 yes. years. And it ran to 19... Now, John says 1954, and the information I had last night was that it was pulled in 1952. I'll trust John before I trust something on the internet. Yeah, and also remember, I think they came back because they went off the air where they pulled them in January second at fifty nine because that's where we were talking about it last. Yeah, night. I'm there. There it is. It's uh, fifty nine, not fifty two. Yeah. But John says it, it went until. Oh wait a minute! Wait a minute! It keeps on going here. Do 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 do. Forty five. Look at that! Look at that! Look at that! All the way down to late nineteen fifty eight. So that would be right, mm -hmm. late 1958, pulling right. the plug two days into the new year. Yep. Sure. And so, I definitely, anyway. I definitely mm -hmm. recognize Clayton Bud Collier, Bud Collier, who's been the commercial spokesperson for a while, and I think most likely he was part of the cast for a while, you know. So there are wow. probably other New York actors people would recognize if they saw the list in front mm -hmm. of the picture. I'll tell you. Uh, oh, I just saw Renfro in here. What Renfro? Renfro of the Mountain. Yeah. Oh, did we have one of them one night? I know I we, did. We talked uh, about it, and Martin, you can't believe it, Martin's working on a book on that show. On Renfro? Yep. No kidding. Yep. He, mm -hmm. he, found, all, he, get, he found all the scripts, mm -hmm. and he goes through the That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. And we, I did Blair of the Mounties, I recall that, yeah. on the awful show. You did. But I can't, I can't yeah, and, and I remember hearing about Renfro of the Mounted, but, okay, making a list for Tisha. It's interesting. <laughs> he found the scripts. He contacted mm -hmm. the family of the author. The author family had a farm, so they had them all out in the, in the barn, the scripts in the, mm -hmm. in the filing cabinet, so. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. A Mounted. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm making notes for myself. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm, I can do that. Okay, let's see what else I've got here. I gave you all of my candy stuff, my chocolate stuff last night. I know, we ate, we ate them up quickly. Oh, 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 thank you. I got the box that you sent. And Dan, thank you for the bourbon balls. Uh, and John in Maryland, oh, yum, I've got enough tootsie uh, <laughs> rolls to keep us for a long, long time, even I, if I share some. I think you did okay for Christmas, Patricia. I think I did great. And I got a card from my brother and sister-in-law, and they put a $25 gift certificate to Walmart in there. Oh. I'm telling you, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy life, you know? Well, that, that means you got, enough, you got enough spending money to go shopping at Walmart, put stuff in your refrigerator, so you should be good that, for a couple of days. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Good. But I have to wait until a week from Saturday because we only get to go every two weeks. And this weekend was canceled because there were too few people and they needed the, – the person who drives is actually one of our CNAs. Okay. And – because of the holiday over the weekend, they were short of people. So he stayed out of the van and <laughs> in the building. So, and I, I thought if we skipped one week, maybe we would be going this week. And she said, no, it's got to be the regular schedule. So next week we will go. So I'm making a list and checking it twice. Good. 
Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. Well, do the, you know? Mm-hmm. The Walmart you're going to, does it have enough variety for you? Of everything, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that's for sale is available there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And the prices really are very good. They are. They are. Yeah. I get my stuff like my Diet Pepsi mm-hmm. and... This time I can have a lot of cheese because mm-hmm. I got a place to put it. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. So we are live tonight, folks. It is Wednesday, January 3rd. We are doing the nightly live show. Mike is on vacation, mm-hmm. and Bill took the night off. And we are at 714-545-2071. Now, folks, we have a whole hour to do here. Uh, before we get to midnight, and... But you know what? If we what? have to, I can, I can let Patricia go to bed early and play a radio show. Or, or oh. my special. So so if it's really slow, and Patricia and I have gone through everything, she might just duck out early. It's up to you. You can... Oh, yeah. So wow. Help, it's See, up to you. You have to be careful, people. You know, help to you. Do you want to talk to Patricia? At someone four five four five two zero someone. It's been a big day for her, so you know I, I'm offering to send her off to bed early. So because you know it's been big it, offer. It's been it's, big offer. It's, it's there. It's there. So, yes. So now you sent me some Charlie Brown stuff mm-hmm. today. With of course it's Charles Schultz who yeah. drew peanuts. It's his wisdom, but it was Charlie Brown who smiled and said these things. Right. And I can only open three right now, but I'll get the other three for tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. One of them is, the less you respond to rude, critical, argumentative people, the more peaceful your life will become. Yes. <laughs> and Charlie Brown is looking so content, leaning against Snoopy's doghouse, and Snoopy is on the top of his doghouse again. This time he says... Worrying won't stop the bad stuff from happening. It just stops you from enjoying the good. Oh. Don't worry, and you'll really, if you if you worry, you'll kick on the day that you're in. Okay, definition of a friend. Do you remember what this one said? I do not. You do not. I did, when when your reader goes down an email, if these are in little graphics. Yeah, and I that's could, why I couldn't you, read. I could. That's why I couldn't read it. I figured. I figured yeah. you, 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 my mom, would enjoy it because I couldn't read the graphic parts, you know. Oh, gosh, and it really was cute, and, and yeah. I don't know why the other three aren't opening. But anyway, we've got a definition of a friend is someone who says nice things about you, even when you're not around. <laughs> that's true. And that's cute. That's, that's true. That's really cute. So You know, that would so. be, I bet that would be a very popular email inbox if, if somebody went to like charliebrown.com and sign up and have a peanut peanut saying drop in their box every day. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they do that. I don't know. If not... Interesting. If not, they should. Okay, let me see if I can find Schultz in here, and I'll give you the other three. Mm-hmm. 714, your turn. 545 oh, that's okay. It's, Patricia and I can hang that, hang out for a little while, and I'll turn off the bed. We're gonna definitely. Some of the things we're gonna play tonight. Uh, it is 
the anniversary of a little couple of days ago when Ricky Nelson passed away from the plane crash over mm-hmm. Texas. And KROA at the time, the rock and roll station, the classic rock and roll station here in Los Angeles in Pasadena, did a great one-hour tribute to Ricky and talked to cast members and David and things like that. And with Ricky's mm-hmm. music. So we're going to play that. I have that. And then uh, most likely I'll get into some great ghostly Christmas shows and probably some February Christmas shows. And that's sort of what I have planned. We'll see what else I come up with. But that is my current thought at the moment. And I'm flexible. You are, so. you are a genius when it comes to coming up with stuff. And, well, it's nice having it on the computer, too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, I found the other Charlie Browns. Okay. Charlie and Snoopy are sitting on a dock looking out over a lake. Mm -hmm. So we see the backs of them, and it's really cute to see the two of them together. Mm -hmm. As we grow up, we realize it is less important to have lots of friends and more important to have real ones. Oh. Yeah, and it's... Snoopy and Charlie Brown, they are best friends, best friends. Okay, and here, the smile on my face doesn't mean my life is perfect. Charlie is in on one side smiling. It means I appreciate what I have and what I have been blessed with. I choose to be happy. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's a nice thought. Some people don't have the option of choosing to be happy. They've got some physical problems yep. and some emotional issues, and so I don't mean to imply that anybody who just says no. I'm going to be happy can do it. No. But there are some times when you can turn your attitude around just a little bit, and it, it, the world looks all so different well, and also at that I, point. I think we all sometimes mix happiness and joy. I mean, that's true. We make that's some, true. and there's there's clearly defining separate defining. We don't necessarily have control over happiness. You know, because sometimes mm-hmm. those are outside forces. If we, you know, if we're blessed to have joy in our life, um, sometimes that's probably more that's more important. You know, to be blessed with yeah. joy. Differentiate happiness and joy for me. Well, this is the way I understand it. Joy is more internal, and it's not necessarily impacted by um, outside influence that will affect your joy of life. Mm -hmm. For example, for you, you have a lot of joy in writing. That's something that brings something that brings you joy in life. Uh Um, But. If you were in a relationship and the other half is not treating you, in other words, that'd be if it was going good, that would bring you happiness. The 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 with the the, the person that you're involved mm-hmm. with in your life, but if she turns to be into a sourpuss and just made your life miserable and you're not happy, that's an ex- external influence on your life. And so we don't have control. Yeah. We don't have control on our outside influence of happiness. We can control how we react to it. Mm-hmm. Yes. But we, we can't change other people. We can only change how we react to them. Mm-hmm. And right. that's a, but that's a really nifty definition and differentiation. Thank you. Because you know, you've said that 
once they, I know that one night, long time ago, yes. we had just a short conversation about um, just having joy, joy and having happiness and what it meant. But I never, I didn't ask you to, to describe it and differentiate the two, and, and you just gave a wonderful explanation. And I, Thank I, you. And I think, I think it's so easy to mix them together. You know, we don't necessarily mm-hmm. define them. Yes. Um, yes. So you have good stuff inside and out. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's really good. I like that. Yeah, good. Good. You know. You did good. I try. I try to be yeah. very comforting to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. Yeah. So I shared some of my Tootsie Rolls. Not a lot. Well, considering, I have to confess. Considering you had two bags full, I'm not surprised. I know, I know. I looked at that and I thought, oh my goodness, John, this is fun. John, we love you for doing that. What can I say? Uh, Even though it cost you $18 in shipping, you are a good man, John. For Crikey, it cost you just as much to send it to me. <laughs> uh, did your mom not mention that? No, I didn't look at that. But, you know, you know you're worth every nickel we spent on you. Yeah. And I ate a bourbon ball, Dan. Well. And I put it back in the box and put it over on the other side across from my bed. Because <laughs> 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 really, uh, you know, once you start on something like that, it, it just tastes so good you want to keep going. Have you found any fun thing to read so far? Have you found anything on your nook, any fun little books, old books you're working on at the moment? Oh, oh my goodness, my goodness, I have... I I did a quick count, and everything that I have on my Nook is not always up on the website. The Barnes and Noble has a Nook website, mm-hmm. personal, so it has most of the items that I had downloaded, and much more. And I figure I've probably got about 250 books waiting <laughs> waiting for me to start reading them, but I I haven't finished the Mr. and Mrs. North book yet. Ah, and okay. Yeah. Um, I, and I haven't even picked it up for a while, and I'm listening to a lot of the uh, Lone Ranger. Yeah. So I will report back, to, and I hope the Mr. and Mrs. North gets better. This must have been one of the earliest books. Well, I think I read somewhere, I think I thought to the current publisher that owns the right to Mr. and he wasn't too sure. I think to like, and I looked it up one time, it was the husband and wife team that wrote it, everybody. Yes, it was... Francis <laughs> something, I've forgotten her name at the moment, but I think they wrote like 17 of them or something. And that many? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did yeah. they write the radio show too? I don't think so. I don't think so. We Yes, I, I do believe. Uh, we covered that one night. I did anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so let's see, Mr. and Mrs. North. You keep going. Keep talking. You're Any, very good at talking. Anyway, so... It, it's a cute show, um, because Mrs. North always destroys the one that solved the case. You know, they yeah. come to him, they come yes, to him. Yes, she is, yeah. Yeah, she comes to him to, with the, the mystery, and, she, and she's the mystery publisher. And she's the one that always seems to solve the case. And uh, Alice Foss, who was part of Orson Welles' stock company, played Mrs. North, and she wound up moving to Hollywood and became an R.S. Burvac member. Um, so it was always a New York show. Then it wound up to TV. 
Barbara Burton, who we had her daughter on once in a while, Christina, on the show, mm-hmm. was one of the actresses on the, on the uh, series. I think there were two different casts that played it in TV. And I think it wound up in the films, too. Um, and so, that's... But I bet there are probably other mystery genres that were written by a husband and wife team besides Mr. Yeah, it, and Mrs. It North. was Lockridge. Yes. Francis yes. and Richard Lockridge. Yes. I, I, when you were talking, I said, Lockhart, that's not it. That's not it. It's Lock, Lock, Lock. Mm-hmm. It's Lockridge. And they did the novels. Uh, and a couple created in a series of 26. 26, uh, 26 okay. novels, wow. Um, I, and I got the only bomb in the bunch. It's not really a bomb. It it just isn't. It's not put together like it probably. Well, have you read when you when you gone to one of your favorite one, Rex Stout? Mm-hmm. Have you read the first one, the one that, the one that came out in thirty four? Yes, I did, and it was. I think that was the one, um, for De Lee. Right. Did it, yes, I did. I did read it, and it was very good. Okay. Um, it, it was good enough that I was really <laughs> eager to read some in the rest of the series that he did. And, and it's sort of like when I've read several Dashiell Hammett shows, almost the characters in Dashiell Hammett shows, I'm thinking of The Thin Man, Sin Sam Fade, are more developed than the actual plot itself sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that's that's it. The characters were not particularly well developed, and they haven't appeared in a great number of pages, which surprised me. Oh. It was like they were hanging their hat on it. Maybe it came after the novels. Let's see what we've got in novels and what years. I guess another one we should we should sort of classify. I sort of scratched my head. It's Ellery Queen. Why is Ellery Queen so successful? I mean that maybe maybe because you had two brains working on the on the plots and the execution of the plots. Mm-hmm. But have have you have you into a lot of Ellery Queen mystery? I the ones I've listened to, it's not. I don't think the the, the radio shows are some of the great all time all timers. It's, it's not. Mm-mm. It's not on the no. same level as the great detective shows of radio. No. The books are good, though. Are they? I've never read any of the books. books. Yes, and the television show, I don't know how much... It was after Ellery Queen that the two writers had stopped writing, and they might have even been dead by the time the television show came around, but they treated it extremely well. And, of course, you always had an opportunity at the end to guess who the culprit was, and then... They came back, uh, Ellery Queen and his father came back and would tell you, of course, and why that particular person had to read the clues that went along. But the tele- as I say, the television show was very good and the books are very good, but the the radio show was, you know, too, too lighthearted. And it also, didn't have any seriousness in trying to solve a crime. And plus, it also had different gimmicks in the radio shows. You had the the mystery panel that figured it out. Mm-hmm. They would stop. They were different people. They would try different things to make that thing work. Mm-hmm. And they had five different people who played the lead in Ellery Queen throughout the years. And How long was it on the air? Oh, gosh. 
I think it's very sporadic. I don't, my guess is if I had to guess total, maybe seven, eight years. But I think there were some dead spots in there. Also, the only... Okay, here, oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, 42 to 54 Okay. on NBC. That 12 years? Radio Mystery Series. That 12 but years? But it was two networks. It was NBC and CBS, mm-hmm. so they probably had a gap in there. And also, the Early Queen Mystery Magazine is still in operation, everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. It's sort of what I've read at the one time. It's, it's just the title, oh, the Early Queen Mystery, inside or different mysteries inside. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily an Early Queen solving such and such case. Hmm. I don't know if there's that many of those types of magazines even existing today, to be honest with you. I haven't checked any shelves anywhere, but I used to read them a lot. There were two. One was Alfred Hitchcock's book, and it wasn't all science fiction or spooky stuff. It was Mm. a lot of detective writing, primarily detective writing. And then the Ellery Queen mystery magazine, and there might have been one more in there. And the stories were very well done, very well done. They were done by names uh, names in, in the writing arena, I did not recognize there were a couple who eventually became part of the fabric of mystery writing, hmm. and always their work was fun. But um, so I don't know if they're still around. Keep yeah. talking. I'll yeah. look it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing really well looking stuff up tonight. Yeah, well, I've only got one hand to do it with. That's okay. Did you did you subscribe to other magazines? Did you ever get Reader's Digest for a period of time in your life, or anything mm, like that? I probably did. Uh huh. Probably did. I sold one little thing to Reader's Digest one time. Mm. You ever get um, you ever got Newsweek or National Geographic or anything, or Time or Life or anything like Newsweek, that? Newsweek and there was a really good business magazine. I don't know what happened to it. I mean, it went it went out of business, and I don't know why. But uh, oh gosh, what was it? Oh, Changing Times. Oh was yeah, the, that was the name of the magazine, yeah. and I sold a pretty good size piece to that. Um, Quite the hmm? Barons, for example, that was, a, that was a Wall Street mm-hmm. publication. It'd be, interesting to, it'd be interesting to go online to see how many magazines are still in operation. I, I don't know. I remember there used, used to be the door-to-door salesman that would sell, you could buy subscriptions at the door. Really? And, yeah. That used to happen oh. here all the time. Oh, my goodness. Now we get the kids who claim they're going through college. and <laughs> <laughs> Don't trust a kid who says he's going through college selling you magazines. Okay, here we go. We've got uh, three, six, seven, eight mystery magazines. Ellery Queen, mm-hmm. one called Mystery Scene, Horror Stories. I don't, I don't think horror stories fit into mystery, but maybe. Mm-hmm. Alfred Hitchcock's. Mystery Magazine is still up and running. London Mystery Magazine, Tales of Magic and Mystery, The Strand Magazine, and Suspense Magazine. How about that? Oh. So there there are eight uh, of them. One, two, three, four. Yeah, there are eight. Interesting. And one is Horror Stories, and another one is Suspense. But a horror story and suspense typically come with a mystery to solve. Okay. It's it's just, you know, you have to find out who the spooky guy is mm-hmm. <laughs> running around making you believe that your house is haunted, that kind of stuff. 
So anyhow, I'm pleased to know that they indeed do exist. That's fun. Maybe they got some online free version so you can read an article out a sample of their of their work. That would that would be very excellent. You know. Very excellent. Okay, let's I got some other stuff here for you. Um uh, and I've got a whole bunch of useless but miserably <laughs> useless but fun. I've got a whole folder full of stuff. I can close up my Christmas folder, right? Yeah. Just turned off your heater. It's starting to warm up the room, so I'm going to take off oh, my... Oh, hooray, hooray, hooray. Taking off your sweatshirt. Um, my sweatshirt. I'm a sweatshirt, everybody. I love my sweatshirts. That's what, what I like to wear year-round. Uh-huh. You know, so comfortable. Yeah. I have a whole bunch of fun quotes if you want some of them. Ah, sure. All sure. right. Okay. <sighs> Old is when you reach that age, when happy hour is a nap. Ah, okay. This is good. Senior citizen, I don't miss the good old days as much as I miss the good old nights. (laughs) Ooh, we can tip that one off, can't we? An indication of a really big city is that it's one in which you have to walk when you're in a hurry to get somewhere. Uh, That works in New York City. Don't don't try to drive anywhere. Mm -hmm more efficient to walk. A great-grandmother explains how she managed to keep so young at 90. It takes time to get old, and I've never really had any. That's good. That's a person who keeps busy. Does really well. Okay. You know, some of these must have been written by Sam Levinson because he dealt with people and kids and stuff like that there. Um, Let's see. F. John Andrews Holmes. I have no idea who that man is, but he wound up saying something that somebody saved. (laughs) It is well to remember that the entire universe, with one trifling exception, is composed of others. Very nice. Okay. It's composed of everybody except me. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't know about ignorance. I don't care about apathy. And I'm not sure what to think about uncertainty. That's good. I don't know about in- ignorance. You don't know anything because you're ignorant. Sure. I don't care about apathy. I don't care because I'm apathetic. Sure. And I'm not sure what to think about uncertainty because I'm uncertain. That was really a piece of clever writing. Sure. It, it looks better in print. I, I When I read it to you, I thought, what? And when I went back and just studied it, yes, yes, yes. A nasty trick of nature that requires so many of us to endure one monumental hormonal shift as our children endure another. Mm. It is unrealistic to expect us to get along swimmingly in the episode of chemistry, one flowing and the other ebbing. Now that sounds like a psychologist. <laughs> I Does agree. that sound like a psychologist? I agree. To you? I agree. Huh. I haven't read these in too long and it's probably better if <laughs> if I Read these before I bring them in. Okay, let's see. Um, no, that's... Hmm. Don't spend as much... Don't spend so much time trying to be a better person because you ain't never going to be... Uh, <laughs> I really should have said man. I was trying to be universal. Don't spend so much time trying to be a better man because you ain't never going to be one without a good woman. 
There you go. Now that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Let me go down to the bottom here. Let's see. Um, okay, don't let your past define your today. Let your today define your future. Okay. Some of these are very wise. Mm-hmm. Love the people God gave you because he will need them back someday. <laughs> that sounds like something one of the children in class would do. Uh, just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And we need to make some signs about that. That's yeah, true. That's a good one. That's, That's true. a good one. Um, if you get together, you drop the linen and start grinning. It's cheating. Uh-huh. If you get together, you drop the linen and start grinning, it's cheating. I see. That's Dr. Phil. I see. Mm, okay, it's more about who you're becoming than where you're going. I don't know who said that. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. Ah, this is interesting. Choose to put your faith in God's identity, not his activity. Mm-hmm. That's a deep thinking type yep. one. Life takes up a bit of time and a lot of relationship. True. Now, this is good. Well, I'll have to ask your mom about this because I don't have any kids, so I don't know this for sure. <laughs> Parents are your best critics, but they're also your strongest supporter. I think that's probably true. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Mm-mm-mm-mm. This one's got to be political. Sometimes when one's person's, excuse me, sometimes when one person's welfare is focused on, the big picture and long-term consequences and effects are overlooked, and the freedom of the majority is encroached upon. Now, that sounds like a political statement Mm -hmm. from somebody who wants to get into office, (laughs) not necessarily someone who is in there already. True. Uh, the upper class is being demonized for achieving success. Good heavens, where did I get this from? Dear me. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, no one has been honored for what they received. They are honored for what they give. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. Uh, Okay, courage is being scared to death but saddling up anyway. That's from John Wayne. That's pretty good. Do you have any favorite sayings? Oh, I think probably nobody gets out of this world scot free. I thought that's the right saying that. Oh, they. Oh, we never do. Yeah. No, we're no. not in it scot free either. No. no, we're not. We are and, not. And, okay, I also, and I also say, the, and I also like saying the winners in life are, are the ones how, uh, are the ones that play or play the cards the ones that are dealt to them. Uh-huh. You know, because each one of us has so, uh, dealt a different different deck of cards in life. It's just, we wonder how, how do we man- manage to, mm-hmm. to use them? Deal with it. Mm-hmm. You deal with it. Yeah. And people who can put them in priority order, mm-hmm. I think, are a lot happier than the ones like I used to be and treat everything as a 10. You know, you lose a dollar on the floor somewhere, and it's a ten. You crash the car, and it's a ten. Did it take you so, a while? Uh, did it take you a while to to get you to the new Patricia? Yes, uh-huh. and the new Patricia emerged slowly. But when I got out on my own, it was 
the time that the biggest change came, mm-hmm. where I wasn't so uptight about everything. I was uptight about some things, mm-hmm. and the rest of them, when I have time, I'll get back to you. But in the <laughs> meantime, I've only got a handful that I have to take care of here. I don't have to take all of you all at once. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it it took a while. It took a while. Hmm. Are you happy? Okay. Are you happy with the new Patricia? Oh yes. Yeah, okay. Um. Oh, I have more energy to yeah. be nice to people and be nice to me. I'm not caught up on doing things. Yeah. And I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. That is good stuff. Okay. Well, well I also think mm-hmm. you ha- you have you have had more time to smell the roses too. Mm-hmm. I I did mm-hmm. when when I was taking care of only myself. Yeah. Um. There. There was more space in there to do some good reading, to walk around, to take a bike ride somewhere mm-hmm. and do those kinds of things. So, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm cool. I'm cool. <laughs> We'd be cool. Uh, I think it was Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. I hope I've got them right. They somehow wound up in jail or in prison. They were really in prison. They they were innocent. They were so sweet and innocent people on the outside. I can't even know how they managed to get in prison. But they had to walk past uh, cells with people in there who were like, oh, boy, new guys. We can really take care of them. And Richard Pryor is walking down, looking at the ceiling, saying, we'd be cool, we'd be cool, we'd be cool. <laughs> Trying to <laughs> trying to convince the other inmates that uh, there were nobody to <laughs> be blessed with. Uh, it was it was a good laugh in context. Okay, Charles Schultz. Ideals are like the star; we never reach them. But like the mariners on the sea, we chart our course by them. See, he's you know he's went deep on us here. He didn't stay with simplicity, Charlie Brown type stuff. If you say what you think, don't expect to hear only what you like. Ah, very good. Yeah. Malcolm Forbes. Yeah. Laughter can be heard farther than weeping and is a Jewish proverb. Hmm. These are good. Oh, boy, they came in from all over. I went to the bottom of the page and they're better down here. Education is what survives when what has been learned has long been forgotten. What? Boy, you put psychologists in. That was B.F. Skinner, one of the famed psychologists of our time. And he's famous because you can't understand what he's saying. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, well, it's true. You know, I sit back and, boy, that was profound. Oh, you think so? Okay, it was profound. It's like the emperor has no clothes. If you are sure you are right, you can afford to keep quiet. That's true. Hmm. Hmm. Nobody learns the good stuff then. No. Hmm. That doesn't seem to work for me. Fascinating conversation is the art of telling people a little less than they want to know. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense. Sure. You keep their attention because they hope that you'll drop the last nugget here. Um, are you tired of this yet? I'm not, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm I'm also looking at. Do you want to you want to duck out? I mean, because you've done an hour. I know it. I know it. 
Okay, I don't think I have anything really exciting here. Okay, I can do that. Okay, then Patricia and I will be back together tomorrow at 10.30 Eastern, most likely. And, uh, and I'll carry some good stuff the rest of the way. So, mm-hmm. so happy new year, Patricia. Oh, thank you. Happy new year, Walden. Happy new year, everybody. Be safe, and we'll watch out for you. Yes. Good night, Patricia. Good night, Walden. All right. Dear Patricia, and it's 8.28. Let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity of being with Patricia. Bless this wonderful country we live in. Look after Bill and Kim as they're trying to heal from being sick. Make sure Mike is safe on his vacation. Bless John Roy as they're getting stuff done tonight. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, what we're going to do now, we're going for over 40 minutes. So you're going to hear most of it on red and blue, and then at midnight, I will switch to the blue. This is the KROA special on the late Ricky Nelson. So stand by. I'm Dillian Harris. The following Ricky Nelson special was first broadcast on KRLA on Friday, January 3rd, 1986. It's time for the Big 11 Countdown with Johnny Hayes on Stereo AM Jaws Professional 1, Rick Nelson special on KRLA or F4. Johnny Hayes! It's the Ricky special.
ladies and gentlemen, on today's Big 11 Countdown Show, it's a Ricky special. Because Ricky was special in so many different ways. We'll check him out up and down this hour on KRLA. Kind of feels like a lonesome town today, don't it? You notice that too? There's a place where lovers go. the rock and roll star but of course it began a long time before there maybe even earlier than you realize international sterling sponsored the ozzy and harriet show the adventures of ozzy and harriet america's favorite young couple on radio in the early 40s ozzy and harriet played themselves but in the early years david and ricky were played by actors did you know that henry blair played ricky but when the boys got old enough they took over and that was about 1949. Brother David remembers. I was 14 when I went on television for the first time. But previous to that, uh, the Ozzie and Harriet show was on radio. And it was on for three years uh, prior to my brother and myself joining the cast. And uh, we kind of talked our father and mother into letting us be on the radio show because it sounded like a lot of fun at the time. And uh, I was 11 and Rick was 7. And uh, we did a couple of previews, and uh, my brother got a lot of laughs, so they decided to put us on the show. And I think it was a hard decision for them, at least in talking with them over the years that I've found. Because Rick, being seven, uh, could not read yet. He uh, memorized all the radio scripts. But uh, I can recall Rick sitting at a table because they didn't have a mic that would come down far enough to him for him to stand up but he refused to go on the show without a script even though he had memorized his part so he would slide these pages on the table and uh, do the radio show that way there were several incidents that were uh, 
uh, he got a lot of laughs that he wasn't supposed to because he had a feeling that since he couldn't sit his feet under the table, the audience couldn't either. And he would one by one take his shoes off and then his socks would come off. He'd take one toe and put it on the back of the sock and pull it off. And Father kept hearing these laughs. He couldn't figure out where they were coming from. Finally, one night he turned around and saw it. The first show we were on uh, was a guest appearance by Bing Crosby. And he had his son on, Lindsay. And that was kind of the storyline where they came over and sang Christmas carols. And we played tennis with the Crosby uh, kids. And uh, so we said, well, if Lindsay can be on, can we be on too? Here's Ricky at 17. Well, I've been waiting ever since I guess my baby got another up, broken hearted again. I'll bet she's out having a ball, not even thinking of me at all. Stood up, brokenhearted again. when he was 17 years old and uh, of course you know the you know the cast of characters here there was Ozzy and Harriet and David and Ricky Ozzy wasn't just a musician and a band leader he was more than a producer and a director of the adventures of Ozzy and Harriet he was a he had a law degree from Rutgers and a sharp businessman he was tell you a little story when Ricky hit the rock and roll jackpot in 1957 and 58 along there Ozzy found out that Ricky had his eye on a super expensive Aston Martin sports car. May I remind you, Ozzy said, that you're in the 97% tax bracket. Do you have any idea how long it'll take you to pay for this car? That's the practical mind of an Ozzy Nelson. Well, Ricky got it anyway. Oh, by the way, Ozzy shrewdly negotiated more than one lucrative recording contract for Ricky. We'll be back on the Ricky special on KRLA in just a moment. You're listening to the Ricky Nelson special. Ricky was 21 when he made this one.
The Nelson family is holding a memorial service this afternoon at 3 o'clock at Forest Lawn. We're paying our tribute to one of the great, great artists of rock and roll and what a great human being as well on today's KRLA Big 11 Countdown Show. Delighted to have you listening. The appearance and presence of rock and roll on the American scene back in the 50s ranks as one of the biggest surprises we've ever had, especially our generation. And the metamorphosis from Little Ricky the TV actor to instant rock and roll star was a, an early aspect of the big surprise. They both call for a very quick adjustment by all of us. Ricky's brother David sets the scene of how that very first recording happened. Here's David. It started out kind of naturally with Rick going out on a date one night and the gal that uh, he was with had a crush on Elvis Presley and this really bothered Rick so he ended up saying, well, I could do the same thing that as Elvis did. And at the time there were several shops along uh, Sunset Boulevard where you could go in and record your voice or record a record or do demos or whatever it was. And uh, at the time, Fats Domino had a big hit with I'm Walking, and Rick liked that uh, song. Plus, he was musical, and the entire family, outside of myself, is musical. So he went in and recorded this uh, uh, record, uh, played it for my father, and he thought it was pretty good. And they went out and got a record deal, and Rick sang I'm Walking, and it became a million seller for the second time with Rick on it. And it was one of those things, I don't know whether you ever saw the girl again, but <laughs> it was basically because, uh, you know, the attraction for her was Elvis Presley and Rick wanted to prove something. Fat Domino song, and I think Ricky proved something with that, that he would certainly could get on record like Elvis Presley, and, and the girl must have been uh, just totally swept off her feet. There's something that has puzzled me for as long as I can remember. 
certainly back to the 50s. Now, here's the situation. We've got Ricky Nelson, who is on a big television show, of course, but he's never made a record before in his life, and before a couple of episodes uh, prior to this recording, incidentally, that I'm Walking was in a TV episode called Ricky the Drummer. Okay, kid who's never made a record before, not known as a singer, suddenly gets a recording contract with one of the most renowned and one of the most sophisticated and refined jazz labels in the world. A rock and roller on Verve, Verve's a jazz label. They've never even made a rock and roll record before. Certainly not one with someone who doesn't even have a reputation, not even known as a singer. Well, I got to the bottom of it. I might have mentioned to you that Ozzy was um, a band leader and a musician. And uh, he had two brothers, Al, who was a piano player, and Don, who was a writer on the Nelson Show and a jazz musician. Here's the connection between Ricky and Verve Records. Get this. Brother Don, a writer on the Ozzie and Harriet show, a jazz musician, had a very close friend by the name of Barney Kessel, who was an extraordinary guitar player, a jazz player. All right. Barney Kessel produced, played guitar on, the flip side of I'm Walking for Verve Records. And by the way, uh, Mr. Barney Kessel had very close friends at Verve's. There's the story. Here's the session. A teenager's romance is fickle or true. A teenager's on Verve, 
Of course, that uh, I'm Walking song was owned by uh, Imperial Records. That's who Fats Domino and his partner, Dave Bartholomew, wrote for, Metric Music of Liberty Records. And Liberty says, hey, uh, we can tell a talent when we see one. And so they negotiated and uh, got Ricky away from Verve Records. And then for several years, he was on Imperial. Through television exposure, first of hundreds, right? I'm Walking and Teenagers Romance going gold within seven days of his performing them on the TV show, Ricky the Drummer. Ricky at 17, Teenagers Romance, but the time he was 22, he had sold 35 million records. As recent as just a couple of years ago, and things are changing rapidly here in the 80s, as recent as a couple of years ago, Ricky was the seventh of all time rock record sellers. We're thinking very heavily about Ricky today, and I love you for tuning in. Johnny will be back on the Ricky Nelson special over KRLA in just a moment. It's the Ricky Nelson Memorial Special on the heart and soul of rock and roll KRLA, and your host is Johnny Hayes. Longtime friend of Ricky Nelson's, um, Kent McCord. You remember Kent on the show, Adam 12? He said, you know, Johnny, I don't know if people realize that Ricky played the piano and the saxophone and the drums and the guitar. He said, it's been rumored that he only knew three chords. He said, it's not true at all. He was a very accomplished guitar player, songwriter. Ricky even took flamenco lessons, and he said, by the way, he was a top-rated 16-and-under tennis player as well. And, and Ricky always had a knack for picking excellent sidemen, including the tops in his class, and I mean that literally James Burton on guitar. Burton played for Waylon Jennings and Merle Haggard and Jerry Lee Lewis. And you know who else? James Burton played for virtually every Elvis Presley session from 1968 to the King's death. An arrangement like this next one is a guitar player's dream. Here is rockabilly guitar at its very best with some of the most memorable and satisfying licks the rock era has ever experienced. Here's James Burton on guitar, one of the best that ever lived, and Ricky's 1958 monster record. Poor Little Fool.
writer Sharon Sheely, later married to the great American, great Los Angeles disc jockey named uh, Jimmy O'Neill. And Ricky, when he was 18 years old and poor little fool on KRLA's Big 11 Countdown Special, Ricky liked to record in a small studio down on Fairfax, just south of Melrose, across from the Fairfax High football field. Kent McCord said he drove by there Friday, and he said it's a laundromat today. And uh, he also uh, had another place he liked, too, Studio B at United. One night he tried to book Studio B because uh, these musicians, you know, they love the acoustics and the feel for certain rooms, and they said, oh, jeez, we got a problem here. Sam Cooke has Studio B. Ricky, you'll have to go into Studio A. And Kent said he's very sensitive to Ricky's uh, body expressions and uh, body language, and he felt Ricky felt a little uneasy that night, though he was delighted to be, you know, be in the next room to Sam Cooke. This is not a special about a rock and roll star or a member of the Nelson family. It is really a member about the death of our family. Little Ricky's dead. When we come back, we'll talk to one of the most genuine human beings ever and a 14-year cast member of The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. This is the KRLA Countdown Special. We'll be back. Would have been 46 years old today, you know. And I'm Johnny Hayes reminding you that you're listening to the Ricky Nelson Special, first broadcast on KRLA on Friday, January 3rd, 1986. This is the Ricky Nelson Memorial Special on All Oldies KRLA. I'm Johnny Hayes. Jack Wagner, father of KRLA's program director, Mike Wagner, played roles on the adventures in Ozzy and Harriet for 14 years, playing a salesman at times, a photographer, clerk, pitch man, you may even remember him on a kiddie show. He was hosted at a thing called Captain Salty on the Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. Fourteen years he was on the show, but for ten years he worked at the campus malt shop on the series. Here's Jack. Thank you, Johnny. I met the Nelsons around 1938 or 39 before Rick was born. And it wasn't until the early 50s that I became uh, professionally involved with the Nelson family on their network radio show and then on the television series. And I started on the fourth uh, TV show in an episode called, uh, I think it was David's First Tuxedo or something like that. And although it was all about David getting a, his first tuxedo and I was the clerk in the shop, <laughs> Ricky had all the funny lines, and boy, did he deliver them well. You know, when I uh, look at the uh, Ozzie and Harriet show every day on the Disney Channel, I'm reminded of how well that little kid performed. He had a wonderful sense of comedy timing, and his facial expressions were always just right, and a wonderful sense of humor. In fact, uh, I remember there were times that um, I could barely get my lines out without spoiling a scene from laughing at one of uh, Rick's shenanigans, where he might be making a funny face at me or doing something crazy with a hamburger in a malt shop scene. And once we got laughing, why, it was a long time before we could really get our act together. We just couldn't look at each other, you know, and before we'd start breaking up. I remember uh, a scene that I had with Rick and Dave, where uh, the three of us started spoiling scene after scene over some crazy thing that Rick was doing, which was not in the script, by the way. <laughs> I guess we gave Ozzy a bad time with all of that, but as I look back on it now, it sure was fun. And being a part of that show while at the same time having such close contact with the Nelson family is uh, truly a segment of my life that I will always treasure. That's Jack Wagner from the malt shop. 
show was done at General Service on Las Palmas in Studio 5, and that soda shop and the rooms of the Nelson House closely resembling those from real life where, where uh, the Nelsons lived. But uh, the set was permanently set up on Studio 5. For 14 years, none of the set ever came down, all the different rooms. For 14 years, the family and the cast lived in Studio 5. Ricky, for four hours a day, getting an education from a tutor approved by the Board of Education. Incidentally, a bit of trivia, in the opening scene of The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, that house you see is the real-life home of the Nelsons in Hollywood on Camino Palmero. It's off of Franklin between Fairfax and La Brea. The show and the real life became interchangeable. Since they showed the real house on television, girls figured it out. Teenage girls found the home on Camino Palomero in Hollywood after seeing it so many times on, on the screen. The wall, a wall and iron gates later had to be put up for privacy. But before the gates went up, Johnny and Dorsey Burnett, singers and songwriters from Tennessee, came all the way out west and literally camped out on the front lawn until Ricky would listen to their songs. Two in particular he liked. This one from 1958. Writers... Johnny and Dorsey Burnett. I believe for what you say when you say you're going steady with nobody else but me. I believe for what you say when you say you don't care. Nobody else but me. I believe. You believe. I believe. Yeah, believe pretty baby. Believe you're going steady with nobody else but me. Well, there's a one thing that Real House on television, girls figured it out. Teenage girls found the home on Camino Palomero in Hollywood after seeing it so many times on, on the screen. The wall, a wall and iron gates later had to be put up for privacy. But before the gates went up, Johnny and Dorsey Burnett, singers and songwriters from Tennessee, came all the way out west and literally camped out on the front lawn until Ricky would listen to their songs. Two in particular he liked. This one from 1958. Writers, Johnny and Dorsey Burnett. I believe for what you say when you say you're going steady with nobody else but me. I believe for what you say when you say you don't care. Nobody else but me. I believe, you believe, I believe, yeah, believe pretty baby. Believe you're going steady with nobody else but me. Well, there's one thing, baby, that I want you to know When you're rocking with me, you're gonna rock too slow Move on and get toe-to-toe -to -toe. We're gonna rock till we can't rock no more I believe, do believe, I believe Yeah, believe, pretty baby Believe you're gonna steady with nobody else but me
Dorsey and Johnny Burnett, and then a year later, Dorsey wrote this one for him. Nineteen hundred and fifty-nine. This is not the story of a child actor trying to cope with the grown-up world. This is not the story of a newspaper headline about the death of yesterday's rock star perishing in a fiery plane crash. This is far bigger and closer to home than all that. America has lost a family member. Our kid brother, little Ricky, is dead. And just as surely as with Marvin and Martin Luther King and John Wayne and John Lennon and Jack and Bobby, something in us has died too. This is Ricky Nelson's memorial special on all oldies KRLA. Johnny Hayes will be back in a minute. I had a delightful conversation that lasted almost two hours with longtime friend of Ricky Nelson's, Kent McCord, Saturday night. You remember Kent, he used to be on the Adam 12 series. When Ricky and he met in the early 60s, well, let me tell you about it. Kent McCord had a college friend and um, who was prone to exaggeration. He asked Kent if uh, Kent would be interested in playing touch football on a Saturday on Ricky Nelson's team against Elvis Presley's team. A doubting McCord said sure and laughed. I'll prove it, the friend said, driving Kent up to Ricky's home to plot the game plan. And sure enough, the next Saturday, in a small park not far from the Bel Air gates, they readied themselves. And the minutes passed, and soon the wait ended when three long black limousines pulled to the curb and outstepped Elvis, 
and Red, the bodyguards, the cronies, the entourage. And during the next five hours, bonds were made that led to a gig for Kent, at that time a student at Citrus College, in a role as a fraternity brother on the Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet series, and work on a number of Elvis's biggest films. That was a relationship between Kent McCord and Ricky Nelson that has lasted every day since. And what a marvelous story from the life and times of Ricky Nelson. Jerry Fuller, great, great songwriter and record producer. This is the Ricky Nelson Memorial Special on the heart and soul of rock and roll KRLA. When child star Ricky grew up and after the hits ran out, no one would have been surprised if a Rick Nelson did what maturing child stars had done before him, shutting himself away and dropping from sight. And at first glance, that might appear to have been Ricky's fate, but nothing could be farther from the truth. I sincerely say to you that I cannot tell you the depth of our admiration for Ricky's drive and determination and the outlook of this optimist who quietly and professionally faced uncomfortable interviews and the awesome challenge of 200 road shows a year. Flamboyant and a born superstar he may not have been, but never once did he throw in the towel he would not give up, always staying at least one step ahead of the odds against him. With bags packed and a road map in his lap, 
Ricky was the eternal traveling man. Here's a song that Sam Cooke turned down, so Jerry Fuller turned to Ricky with it. I'm a traveling man, made a lot of stops all over the world. And in every port, I own the heart of at least one lovely girl. I've a pretty senorita waiting for me down in old Mexico. If you're ever in Alaska, stop and see me like you. This is the Ricky Nelson Special. I'm Johnny Hayes. Love you for tuning in today. A friend the other day said to me, and I want to pass it on to you, you know, they said, The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet was far different than all other family-type shows. Lucy and Desi was totally unreal. Leave it to Beaver, episode after episode showed kids being scolded for, for things that all kids must experience if they are to grow up normal and well-adjusted. Polite kids being told by parents that they must ask permission first, then being told that time after time, no, you can't do it. That is early frustration. The Nelson kids, David and Ricky, were free to make choices and take chances. And the family showed it on television, year after year, in front of your family and ours. Ozzie and Harriet, with all of their infinite wisdom, delivered a subtle message into the living rooms of America that through a process of giving, taking, sharing, experiencing, the result was trust, support, mutual respect, and when it was all over, being able to hug and share a laugh over the whole thing, creating both freedoms and bonds which are everlasting. Ricky Nelson was a product of this environment, and if you were watching, then so are you a party of the wholesomeness of the American family. This is KRLA. Skip Young. Skip Young played Wally Plumstead on the show for years and years and years.
Skip reached out for us. He heard about the special. His memories of the Nelsons, crystal clear forever. Skip? Well, you know, it's kind of tough to condense uh, what you know about a person, somebody you've known for over 30 years. You can, I mean, there's so many things you could talk about during those years, and yet, uh, how do you pinpoint a particular thing about an individual? I guess uh, back in the early days, when I first met uh, Rick, was, uh, I, I think he had just turned 16, and I did uh, the first uh, appearance I ever made uh, in television films was uh, on the Ozzie and Harriet show, and of course, that particular day, uh, it was an episode called the Kappa Sig Party. And Rick made me feel very welcome, very at home. Uh, it was my first job. I was not a... I had no idea what really was going on. I didn't know any of those people, but he made it a point to say, why don't you come and have lunch with us? So sure enough, I did. And that began a friendship that lasted all these years. He was his own man. He's a very family-oriented man, of course, uh, as the Nelson family was. As he said in Garden Party, if you can't please yourself, he'd rather drive a truck. Uh, he's very accommodating, very loving, uh, the kind of a person that uh, everybody wanted to, uh, wanted to know. I went to a garden party to reminisce with my old friends. A chance to share old memories and play our songs again. Got to the garden party They all knew my name No one recognized me I didn't look the same But it's all right now I learned my lesson well You see, you can't please everyone So you've got to please yourself People came miles around
rather drive a truck But it's alright now I learned my lesson well You see, you can't please everyone So you've got to please yourself la da da I'm Johnny Hayes. I'm so grateful that you're sharing this time with us today on the Ricky Nelson Memorial Special on KRLA. KRLA did a Love and Feelings concert at the Forum a couple of years ago, and among, among the headliners were Ricky and Jerry Lee Lewis. I had the privilege and pleasure and honor of introducing Jerry Lee. But backstage, I overheard Jerry Lee Lewis asking to meet, asking to meet Harriet Nelson. I sense that he, too, like the rest of us, saw something special in the Nelsons. Maybe to him, she represented the, the perfect mother of the perfect American family. Perhaps one like he never knew. Here's Ricky again. Ricky was 22 when he made that one. Young World on the Ricky Nelson Memorial Special from KRLA. This is All Oldies KRLA. I'm Johnny Hayes, and this is the Countdown Special. So you think it was easy being a Ricky Nelson, huh? 
Well, it was never planned that way, but early on, it was he who got the attention on the television show. It was he who got all the laughs. You remember. Indeed, so early and so long ago. But then as the years rolled by, the lights and the laughs faded. All that adulation of youth was replaced with a, a fight for survival, literally, and adjustment in life. Never was the need for acceptance and self-expression so strong. And was he shy and insecure? Well, true, he did not exude overconfidence, but how would we do under similar circumstances? Shy and somewhat insecure, maybe. Sensitive, elusive, unassuming, for sure. And you know something? He ain't heavy. He's just our brother. And no matter how old you get, no matter how long you live on this earth, you'll always have young emotions. Don't you forget that now. Hi, this is Rick Nelson, and I love the heart and soul of rock and roll, Carolyn. In memory of our youth, KRLA's Johnny Hayes Countdown Show has presented this Ricky Nelson Memorial Special. And in closing, let the word go out. He is still with us, just as long as there are those of us who remember him. Thank you. And so long, everybody.
KRLA Pasadena. Well, Patricia and I got to do the early part of the show at 10.30 Eastern, so, so we let Patricia go just before 11.30. And just got done listening to a replay of the Ricky Nelson special. Ricky, of course, died in a plane crash New Year's Eve, I think it was 1985. First time this special was heard was January 3 of 86, and it was replayed on his birthday, I guess. So that's what I got a chance to air check it. All right, let's play some the great news we show next. All tab documents items view multi C Christmas shows enter Chris G Great Gildersloves folder. Enter items 12141 not selected 12261951 lost presents.wav 12251946 christmas.wav 12241952 alone for christmas.wav 12251922419124194747 Leroy's Christmas Dog.wav 12241944 Christmas Eve.wav Chris Halls of IG Grand Central G Great Gildersla 5512XXY The Chimes Rang Great Gildersla 411221F017 Christmas Gift for Fibber McGee Great Gildersla 421220F061 Christmas Program Great Gildersla 441224F149 Twas the Night Before Great Gildersla 451223F190 Christmas Eve at Home Great Gildersla 461218F228 Larian's new motor scooter. Great Gildersla 4612, Great Gildersla 471, Great Gildersla 48, Great Gildersla 48, Great Gildersla 49, Great Gildersla 491, Great Gildersla 501220F385 Christmas Show. Great Gildersla 511212F422 Leroy selling Christmas trees. Enter. <laughs> the Kraft Foods Company presents Willard Waterman as the Great Gildersleeve. The Great Gildersleeve is brought to you partially transcribed by the Kraft Foods Company. Kraft, you know, makes Philadelphia brand cream cheese. The cream cheese that's been famous for quality since 1880. Delicious Philadelphia brand is so popular, it outsells all other brands of cream cheese combined. Enjoy it often. Just be sure you get genuine Philadelphia brand when you buy. Look for the red Kraft K on the silvery package. There's only one Philadelphia brand cream cheese, and it's made by Kraft. Remember... The world's favorite cheeses are made or imported by Kraft. Well, like every city in Hamlet at this season of the year, the great Gildersleeve's town of Summerfield is preparing for Christmas. The streets are a-glitter with the lights, the store windows are bulging with gifts, and the siren call of jingle bells lures the customers into the shops. 
And enterprising boys like Leroy are busy devising money-making schemes to heed the call. What is it, Leroy? Okay, I got a great idea for making Christmas money. Here's what I'm going to do. Leroy, what are you shouting about? I got a great idea, Mars. Wait till I tell you. Did you call me, Leroy? Bertie, I got a great idea. You have? Well, what is it, my boy? Oh, boy, what a great idea. All right, all right. What is it? Well, you know everybody buys a Christmas tree for Christmas? We know that, Leroy. Well, I just bought 144. (laughs) 144? Christmas trees? Yep, 12 dozen. What you gonna do, Leroy? Give them for presents? Nah, that's why I'm gonna make my big money for Christmas. That's my great idea. Selling trees. <laughs> Leroy, where'd you get the money to buy so many Christmas trees? Well, I took all my money out of the bank. Oh, my goodness. My boy, you didn't have that much money. Well, I bought part of them on consignment. Consignment? Now, that's the term us merchants use when we haven't got much money. <laughs> Imagine that, 144 trees. Leroy, don't you think you should have consulted your old uncle before going so far? Well, gosh, Uncle, everybody buys a Christmas tree. How can I lose? I thought you'd be proud of me. Well, we are, but... I'm not a little kid anymore. I didn't want to ask you for money to buy you a present. Uh, well... And I want to buy, buy Marge something and Bronco and the twins and Bertie. Oh, bless your heart. And I got Babs to think about this year. Yeah, yes, of course. You can't forget your little girlfriend. Heck no. And you can't give a girl like Babs anything dinky. Oh, where are you going to put the trees, Leroy? Oh, I forgot to ask you. How about selling them off your lot next door, Marge? Oh, I think that'd be all right. Bronco and I won't start building until after the holidays. Gee, thanks. I'll have them delivered this afternoon. Okay with you, Unc? Well, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, and when they're delivered... I want you to get the best one. Before they're all picked over, huh? This year, our tree's on me. Now, Leroy, that's a nice thought. But you can't make money giving your trees away. Don't worry, I'll make money. Oh, say, I gotta have lights on the lot. Yeah, where will you get the lights? From you. Oh, huh? I'll run an extension cord from the house. I'll take the cord out of your study, and then there's a long one on the radio, and then I'll get the one off the washing machine, and there's one behind the couch. Hmm... If we want to wash clothes or read, we'll have to go over to Leroy's lot. Oh, boy, I'm going to make a mint. Hey, Bertie, can I borrow your little dinner bell? My dinner bell? What are we going to do, eat over that, too? No, but i got to attract customers. <laughs> I can see Leroy over there now ringing the dinner bell. Mr. Gilsey's going to sell Christmas trees with a dinner bell. Well, it might help, Bertie. <laughs> yes, sir, selling Christmas trees with a dinner bell. Ding dong, Christmas trees, come get them while they're hot. <laughs> nice of you to help me nail stands on the trees, huh? Yeah, yeah I'll do a few more, Leroy, and then I'll have to go clean up. You going over to see Ma- uh, Bab's mother tonight, Unc? No, not tonight. There's a Jolly Boys meeting. Well, we have about three dozen stands ready. Maybe that'll last us through this evening. Yeah, that'll be a good, nice business. Yeah, I've just been figuring. If I make 50 cents profit on each tree and sell three dozen, that's $18 profit for the first day. Say, not bad. How about that, huh? Just starting in business and making $18 a day. Hey, now, wait. Now, let's see. Three dozen sold tonight, and I can sell them all day Saturday. Say, I better go buy more trees. <laughs> Leroy, wait until you sell your first one. Oh, here comes what could be a customer. It's Babs. Hi, 
Babs. Hello, Leroy. Good evening, Mr. Gildersleeve. Hello, Babs. How's your mother? Oh, she's fine. Oh, what beautiful trees. It's beginning to look like a forest. Come on, I'll show you around my lot. Will you excuse us, Mr. Gildersleeve? Yeah, go right ahead, kiddies. I have some more nailing to do. Oh, uh, by the way, Unc. Yes, Leroy? You can knock off work whenever you want to. <laughs> Thank you, boss. What a fine executive that boy is going to make. You see, Babs, I put the little trees in front and the big ones behind so everybody can see my merchandise from the street. Leroy, you're so smart. Well, I'm making $18 a day. Like I was telling Unc, uh, who's working for me now, I uh, may have to buy more trees. In fact, I may have to open up a couple more lots. Babs, how'd you like it if I get to be known as Leroy, the Christmas tree king? <laughs> That'd be wonderful. Yeah. Well, how'd you like Leroy's lot, Babs? Mr. Gildersleeve, I'm very proud of Leroy, the Christmas tree king. Hey. <laughs> Christmas tree what? King. I got plans, Unc, and trees are just beginning. Next Easter, I may go into lilies. Oh, my goodness. Easter lily Leroy. <laughs> George, I'm proud of Leroy. He's a real go-getter, just like me. Yeah, I can't wait to tell the Jolly Boys. Well, sounds like Floyd's warming up the piano. Well, Gildy. Hello, Judge. Floyd. Hi, Commissioner. From the way the stairs were creaking and groaning, I thought it must be the water commissioner. (laughs) (laughs) Judge, I know you never have any trouble getting up the stairs. Old goats are such good climbers. Too cherry to you, Judge. That's French. I know, Floyd. Where's Peavy and Chief Gates? That must be them coming up now. Must be. See, the two men are a horse. Hello, fellas. Hello, Chief. Hi, man. We're waiting for you, Peavy. Hello to all the rest of you, too. Okay. Everybody's here. Is there any business come for the club? Okay, no business. Let's sing. (laughs) Wait a minute. Floyd, I have some business to bring up. Oh? Are the Jolly Boys going to have a tree again this year? We always do. Certainly. It wouldn't be Christmas without a tree. Well, as long as we're going to buy a tree. I suggest we buy it from an enterprising young businessman of my acquaintance. Who, you? (laughs) (laughs) No, Petey. This Christmas, little Leroy is launching on his first big business venture. Yeah? He's selling trees on Marjorie and Bronco's lot. The boy bought 12 dozen. 12 dozen? My, my. He took his savings out of the bank and negotiated the whole deal himself. Well, fellas, by all means, we should buy our tree from Leroy. Yeah, Leroy's a good kid. I agree. Me too. Yeah, fine. But we don't want to wait too long. Leroy's afraid he'll run out of trees. Well, why don't we adjourn the meeting now and go buy our tree now? Now, how about singing a song first? I've been working all night limbering up my fingers. Yeah, well, are you in as good voice as I am, Chief? Peavy. You'll never catch me off base. Oh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Sorry, I asked. <laughs> well, let's gather around the piano, fellas. Yeah, and since we ain't got much time, why don't we tackle this one we know? That's a good one. Down by the old mill street. You ready? Down by the old mill street.
right down our street, Floyd, next to the house. I know where it is. I hear uh, Leroy shining up to Mr. Bullard's niece these days. <laughs> yeah, I think that's behind this old project, Chief. He wants to give Babs a nice Christmas present. Slow down, Floyd. Look, Leroy has a light on the lot. Yeah, Leroy's thought of everything. Hey, Kamish, I thought you warned us to come early. The lot's loaded with trees. Uh, I don't see any customers. Well, we're here. It's so dark, he hasn't recognized us yet. Christmas trees! Christmas trees! Christmas trees! Doesn't sound like he's doing very well. Hi, kid. Leroy, it's us, the Jolly Boys. Oh, hello. Leroy. Hello, Leroy. Nice lot you have, Leroy. It's terrible. How are things going, my boy? All I've sold is three trees. You only three? Well, that's a start. Oh, excuse me, here comes a car. Christmas trees! Christmas trees! Christmas trees! No, <laughs> the car didn't even slow down. Gee, the poor kid. Something has to be done about this. Yeah. Gosh, not many cars come down this street. Well, we did. And we want a tree for the Jolly Boys Club. Yeah? Hey, Leroy, I've been thinking. I ought to get a tree for my barber shop. Good idea, Floyd. I might be able to make room for one in the drugstore. What do you think of that, my boy? You know, I might just set a precedent and buy one for the inmates of the jail. <laughs> Always seems a little cold around Christmas at the jail, with the bars and all. <laughs> then, of course, we'll all want one for our homes. And I think I'll put a little one on the bench in the courtroom. Well, Leroy, show us some trees. Business is picking up. Isn't it? Oh, you just feel sorry for me. Because I'm a failure. Leroy. You're not a failure yet, my boy. Heck no. Besides, you're such a young failure. <laughs> Leroy. Huh? Leroy. Hi, Babs. You look busy. Can I help? Oh, hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. Oh, Babs, you know everybody, I believe. Oh, yes, I do. Hello. Hello. Hiya, Hiya. Leroy's doing pretty well. Don't you think so, Babs? Oh, sure. He just opened this afternoon. He's already sold three trees. That's pretty good. When I opened my pharmacy, all I had the first day was one customer. Yeah. Did you hear that, Leroy? Oh, I know when I'm licked. Leroy. Yeah? Here's a dollar and a half. I'd like this tree right here. Aw, oh, Babs, you don't have to do that. You've already bought three. <laughs> here's a truck stopping. Leroy, here's a real customer. 
No, that's just the guy with another dozen trees I ordered. Thirteen dozen trees. That could be unlucky. The Great Gildersleeve will be back in just a minute. Now you can make luscious, creamy, smooth fudge an amazing new way. A way that gives you perfect fudge every time. Fudge that's never grainy, never too hard, never too soft, but always wonderfully smooth. And this fudge is easier to make because there's no guesswork, no cooking, no testing, no beating to worry about. The magic ingredient in this new fudge recipe is Philadelphia brand cream cheese. Yes, Philadelphia brand cream cheese. Have a pencil and paper handy, and in just a minute, I'll tell you how to get your free, that's right, free pamphlet with easy recipes for five different varieties of this fudge. Fudge you make with Philadelphia brand cream cheese is more perfect, easier to mix and make, and more delicious, because Philadelphia brand has such wonderful, creamy richness. Try this wonderful new fudge soon. Just be sure you make it with genuine Philadelphia brand cream cheese. The cream cheese that's guaranteed fresh by Kraft. Look for the red Kraft K that's on every silvery package of genuine Philadelphia brand to help you pick the real thing at a glance. Remember, genuine Philadelphia brand cream cheese is made only by Kraft. Now, to get your free pamphlet with easy recipes for five different kinds of luscious Philly fudge, just write to Kraft Kitchen... Box 6567, Department G, Chicago 77, Illinois. That address again, Kraft Kitchen. Box 6567, Department G, Chicago 77, Illinois. Right tonight. Let's get back to the great Gildersleeve. Christmas is no time to have a big problem. It's a time to be joyful around the Christmas tree. But there is such a thing as having too many Christmas trees, such as Leroy's 13 dozen. Marjorie, come to the window. What is it, Auntie? Look at Leroy standing over there on the lot. Up to his neck in trees and up to his ankles in snow. And Babs is over there trying to cheer him up. Well, I have to give Leroy credit. He certainly stays on the job. Yeah, he's only sold five trees so far. Three to Babs last night and two this morning. <laughs> he wouldn't let the Jolly Boys help him out. Well, if Leroy gets stuck with all those trees, he isn't going to have much of a Christmas. I'll get it! I'll go to the door, Bertie. <laughs> Marjorie. May I come in a minute? Why, of course, Babs. Thank you. Let me get some of the snow off my shoes. Yeah, come in, Babs. Good morning, Mr. Gildersleeve. I, I came in to get warm. Babs, it's very loyal of you to stand by, Leroy. I, I stayed out there as long as I could. I feel so sorry for him. Yeah? Mr. Gildersleeve, what are we going to do about all those trees? Yeah, I'm afraid that's no easy solution. I guess the lot isn't a good spot for business. But we have to do something. Leroy practically admitted that he was doing all this for me. He, he just wants to give me something nice for Christmas. Oh, now, Babs. Leroy will come out all right. Uncle Mort will see to that, won't you, Unky? <laughs> will you, Mr. Gildersleeve? Well, I've been trying to figure out some way to help him. Mr. Gildersleeve, I think you're wonderful. You do? <laughs> 
now I'm beginning to understand why my mother is so fond of you. You say, Paula, you mean your mother is fond of me? Well, I think she is. At least I'm sure she would be if you got Leroy out of this jam. <laughs> what a little operator. Well, naturally, I'm thinking of Leroy first. Oh, naturally. But I know you think of Mother, too. Well, yes. I'll bet Babs would never get stuck with a bunch of Christmas trees. Bab. Oh, yes, Bertie. I saw you come in, so I fixed some hot cocoa for you and Leroy. Would you like to take it over? Oh, sure, I'll take it. It's good and hot. It's very thoughtful of you, Bertie. In fact, everybody's being so thoughtful, especially you, Mr. Gildersleeve. Goodbye, <laughs> <laughs> Babs. Ta-ta, Babs. You going to help Leroy, Mr. Gildersleeve? Uh, Bertie, I've tried to, but he's proud. He doesn't want help. That poor little boy. Yeah, I took the Jolly Boys over to buy trees, but Leroy said they were doing it because we felt sorry for him. That poor little boy. Now, Bertie. Look at that poor little boy warming his hands over the cocoa cup. <laughs> that poor little boy. You know, Bronco and I were downtown and other lots are selling trees. I noticed that, too. They're doing a land office business. But that poor little boy. <laughs> Please, Bertie. Because them other lots know how to attract attention. They got Christmas music and loudspeakers. Mm-hmm. All Leroy has is a dinner bell. <laughs> Mr. Gillsleeve, how'd it be if you was Leroy's loudspeaker? What's this, Bertie? You and them jolly boys sing songs. Why don't you sing songs on Leroy's lot? That should attract attention. It certainly should. <laughs> but it isn't a bad idea, Unky. Right, George, it might work at that. Anything for Leroy. Yes, sir. You bet. I'll round up the Jolly Boys. We may even dress up like those English carolers with long red stocking caps and tassels. <laughs> but, Uncle, won't you men feel a little silly? Well, we'll make Leroy the Christmas tree king, even if we have to be the court jester. <laughs> <laughs> What do you say, Peavy? Are you willing to stand up and sing for Leroy? Well, Mr. Gildersleeve, Mrs. Peavy's mother is here for the holidays. Yeah, she is. And I need a pretty good excuse to get out of the house. <laughs> this is certainly a dandy. You're <laughs> <laughs> great. See you tonight, Peavy. It's just a way of helping Leroy meet the competition. What do you say, Floyd? Anything for Leroy, Commission. Judge? Fine with me, Gildy. Shall I bring my flute to set the pitch? You ask me, we need more help than a flute. <laughs> well, I, I thought we'd take the piano from up in the Jolly Boys Club. But, Gildy, by the time we lug the piano downstairs, we won't have enough wind to sing. <laughs> hey, why don't we get Chief Gates to send the paddy wagon over for it? Great idea. See you later, fellas. Chief, uh, send the paddy wagon to the Jolly Boys Club right away. Why? What have we done? <laughs> yeah, I forgot to explain. Now, here's the plan, Chief. We want to get the piano from the Jolly Boys Club and load it on the paddy wagon. Put your little bell away. 
The Jolly Boys are coming over to help you. What are you going to do? What's that patrol wagon pulling up for? And what are the Jolly Boys doing in it? Yes, they're bringing a piano. A piano? Leroy, I know you haven't wanted any help. But how would it be if we Jolly Boys attract some customers for you? Yeah? How? Well, by standing out in the curb and singing songs. Well, gosh, I'm desperate. I'll try anything. Yeah, the boy. You just get ready to sell trees. We'll do the rest. These are down for us. Stevie, will you help me with this end? All right, but I'll have to drop this end. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'd better go help. Oh, boy, I'll go over and get Bab. She can help me sell trees. Uh, let me give you a hand, fellows. All right. Uh, you... Uh, you... Uh, there. We'll leave the piano right here at the curb, Gildy. Then we can gather round it and sing. Yeah, good idea, Judge. Right under the streetlight. Yeah, we need some light to read those carols. Tain't like we was singing for them our minds. Now, here comes the chief. Now we can get started. Sorry I'm a little late, man, but I had a few things to take care of. Yeah, that's all right, Chief. Floyd, pick out a good one and let's get started. Okay. Floyd, may I make a suggestion? Yeah, sure. Before you start to play the piano, take your mittens off. <laughs> How about singing Good King Wenceslas? We can't even pronounce that one. <laughs> Say, look at all the cars passing down this street. Yeah, we must be good. Traffic's picked up, we ain't even opened our mouths. <laughs> I wonder where they're coming from. Well, fellas, that's why your chief of police was a little late. I had to put up a few detour signs. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Right, George Chief. You're all right. Good evening, gentlemen. Well, it's Bertie. Oh, hiya, Bertie. Good evening, Bertie. I thought you'd like some hot coffee. Well, that's mighty thoughtful, Bertie. You're fine, Bertie. Put it on the piano. We're about to sing a song. Yes, I think I'll listen. Come on, Babs. Hey, Uncle, look at all the traffic. But nobody's stopping. Well, they will. Okay, fellas, deck the halls and make it good. Deck the halls with flowers of Anybody feel something's wrong? <laughs> I was on key. Gosh, the cars aren't stopping. They're just going by faster. Gildersleeve, <laughs> <laughs> it was such a good idea. Why isn't it working? Well, Babs, maybe I... we weren't singing loud enough. Bertie, you know music. What's wrong with us? I don't think Bertie learned you, Dan. Well, Mr. Gilsey, maybe you gentlemen don't know that one so well. Why don't you try Jingle Bells? Well, gosh, Uncle, let's do something while the traffic's heavy. Yeah, we're trying, Leroy. Bertie, why don't you lead us? Glad to try if you want me to. It's a good idea. Here we go, gang. Dashing through the snow In a one-horse open sleigh O'er the fields we go Laughing all the way Sing it, Bertie. Bells on bobtails ring Making spirits bright What fun it is to ride And sing a playing song tonight Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells Jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride In a one-horse open sleigh Jingle bells, jingle bells Jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride In a one-horse open sleigh 
wonderful, Bertie. Thank Just wonderful. There. Hey, couple cars stopping. Leroy, a lady wants to buy this train. Sell it for her, Babs. I got another customer. Okay. Hey, somebody wait on me. Hey, they're starting to come in. Well, now that the people are stopping, we jolly boys should sing a song. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not frighten them away again. Bertie. Another song, please. I'd really like to, Miss Gilson. Now, we got one all picked out, haven't we, Bert? Yes, sir. Don't push, folks. We got trees for everybody. <laughs> this one's for little Leroy. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. How faithful are thy branches. Your boughs are green. Throughout the year, resplendent in a light sincere. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, how faithful are thy friends. Great Gildersleeve will be with us again in just 30 seconds. For a variety of delicious snacks and sandwiches you can make quickly, easily, get the two wonderful new kinds of Philadelphia brand cream cheese. There's Philadelphia brand filled with tiny bits of chives and Philadelphia brand with little pieces of red pimento all through. Enjoy them both. Just be sure you get genuine Philadelphia brand cream cheese. Look for the red Kraft K that's on every silvery package to help you pick the real thing at a glance. Remember... Philadelphia brand cream cheese is made only by Kraft. This is Gildersleeve again, folks. In the past, at Christmas time, our show has featured the story, Why the Chimes Rang. Many of you have written asking to hear it again this year. We're happy to know you enjoy this story as much as we do. So, be with us next Wednesday for our Christmas program. Till then... Good night, everyone. The Great Gildersleeve is played by Willard Waterman. The show is written by John Elliott and Andy White and is partially transcribed. Included in the cast are Walter Tetley, Mary Lee Robb, Lillian Randolph, Barbara Whiting, Arthur Q. Bryan, Ken Christie, Earl Ross, and Dick Legrand. Original music composed by Jack Meekin. This is John Heaston saying goodnight for the Kraft Foods Company, makers of those famous Kraft quality foods. Be sure to listen in next Wednesday for the Gildersleeve Christmas Story. Question. What's the best way to raid an icebox? Answer. With Kraft prepared mustard, of course. Because when you add a little Kraft mustard to the sandwich you make... You add a lot of tang. And here's something for you professional icebox raiders to remember. There are two kinds of Kraft mustard. Mild Kraft's mustard with that delicately spiced smooth flavor. Ah, and then there's snappy Kraft mustard with horseradish added. Have both kinds on hand. Then you won't meet up with a dish, but what you'll have just the mustard to add a lot of tang. Buy Kraft's prepared mustard.
Groucho Marx, you bet your life. He's next on NBC. A minute before 10 o'clock here on Wednesday, January 3, 2018, on Wall Hughes. And we'll play another great Gildersleeve Christmas show. Great Gildersleeve 511, enter. The Kraft Foods Company presents Willard Waterman as the Great Gildersleeve. The Great Gildersleeve is brought to you partially transcribed by the Kraft Foods Company. Kraft, you know, has been famous for years for bringing you the very finest foods, quality foods, the world's favorite varieties of cheese, America's choice in salad dressings, and many other wonderful things to eat. When you shop, look for the name Kraft. Remember, the name Kraft on any food is your guarantee of quality. It's a crisp, cold night in Summerfield. Here and there, a lighted Christmas tree glows warmly in the window. Holly wreaths have begun to appear. The ground is white with new snow, and it's still falling. Big, fat flakes that cling to the porches and to the trees and to the brim of the great Gildersleeve's hat. As he hurries down his front steps, ventures cautiously onto the slippery walk... Then strides gaily across the street toward Mr. Bullard's house. Deck the halls with boughs of holly, fa la 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 la. Tis the season to be jolly, fa la 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 la. Don, we what? Where are you going? Well, you're right. I'm going to see Paula. Yeah, I mean Mrs. Winthrop this evening. Did you get an official pass from Mr. Bullard to call on his sister? Leroy, I don't need a pass. It's Christmas. I think I'll go with you, Unc. You bet. I'll sit and talk to Babs while you talk to her mother. The couch in front of the fireplace is a four-seater. Now, Leroy, you can see Babs anytime. Just kidding, Unc. I'll bow out. You need all the breaks you can get anyway. What's this? Well, you haven't seen Mrs. Winthrop much since that rival blew into town. Oh, that fellow Bruce Pendleton. Yeah. Brucey. That's what she calls him. Yoffer. Competition, Unc. Leroy, he's just in town for the holidays. And he's staying at Mr. Bullard's club. I'm sure he's as much Mr. Bullard's friend as he is Paula's. Yeah? I don't think he'd take so long on the porch these nights if he was just saying goodnight to Mr. Bullard. (laughs) I'd better hurry right over there. Good luck, Doc. Thank you, my boy. Yeah, I can meet the competition. I can take my time saying goodnight, too. Well, Throckmorton. Hello, Paula. Come in. Oh, my, it's snowing out, isn't it? It, Just a little. (laughs) Look at you. You have a big snowflake right on the end of your nose. Yeah, I do? (laughs) Well, cold nose, warm heart. (laughs) (laughs) Here, let me take your coat. Yeah, thank you. Well, beautiful tree, Paula. 
And Christmas presents. Are all those for me? Oh, no. But you can help me finish wrapping them. Yeah, fine. A lot of presents. Well, Babs and I have lots of relatives. Well, yeah, sure. And then I couldn't forget those little boys and girls at the children's home. Say, you have been very active in social work since you came to Summerfield. I'm proud of you, Paula. Oh, it's just something I love doing. Very much. And there are a few children in the infirmary that Santa Claus may not remember this year. Good for you. It'd be a shame if any little kiddies were forgotten on Christmas. Here, here, put your finger on this ribbon while I tie the knot. Yeah, yeah all right. Interesting design you're using, Paula. Mistletoe paper. <laughs> Just put the package over there. Yeah, I think I'll bounce right on top of your head. Oh, you know what that means, mistletoe. <laughs> Aren't you um, rushing the season a little? You're only four more shopping days. <laughs> you better put the package down there by the tree. Uh, shucks. Say, here's a fancy-looking package. Mm, I think that's my gift from Babs. Oh, she couldn't wait, huh? Hey, let me shake this. I bet I can guess what's in it. Oh, now, Throckmorton. Oop. Card fell off. Oh, dear. Well, isn't that just like Babs? Oh. To the dearest girl I know, Bruce. Bruce! <laughs> Throckmorton, give me the package. That one isn't from Babs. No, guess not. Bruce Pendleton, I pushy out of Tommers. <laughs> I can hardly wait to open his present. He always thinks of the most original things. Well, I haven't brought you my present yet. I'm liable to think of something pretty original, too. Oh, oh give me a hint. A hint? Well, Bruce keeps teasing me about what's in this package. Yeah, he does, does he? All you tell me is that it starts with a P. For Paula. Isn't that clever? Well, I guess there's a fine line between being clever and being corny. <laughs> now, Throckmorton, he's very ingenious. In fact, the mistletoe paper was his idea. He was? Well, it may have been his idea. But I was the first one who thought of holding it over your head. I think. <laughs> sleep last night. <laughs> Coming, Bertie. Yeah, I wonder what Paula is getting from that Bruce character. Why isn't he back in Dayton working? Maybe he owns a factory or something. Well, I'll have to go him one better. Good morning, Unky. Hi, Unky. Good morning, children. Where's Bronco? Oh, he grabbed a donut and ran off to shop for the twins. Oh? Uh-huh. He has to play Santa this year, you know. Oh, yes. Oh, the twins are so excited. They look at the tree and the colored lights and laugh. What are they laughing at? They don't know what Christmas is all about. Yeah, I wish I had something to laugh about. Marjorie? Yes, Unky? What Christmas presents can you think of that begin with the letter P? The letter P? Well... Who's the present for, Unc? A little nephew pal of yours spelled P-A-L? Hardly, Leroy. I was thinking of something for a young lady. Oh, you mean me. <laughs> we'll get around to you children later. There's a present under Paula Winthrop's tree, and it starts with the letter P. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Uh-huh. It's her present from Brucie, isn't it? Well, yes. 
Well, if it's from your rival, why do you want to know what's in it, Anki? Well, I don't want to give her the same present. I'd like to give her something a little better. Well, if it starts with a P, maybe it's perfume. Yeah, it's a big package. Have to be pretty cheap perfume. <laughs> I'll bet it's a Palomino pony. <laughs> like some hot coffee, Miss Gilsleeve? Yeah, thank you, Bertie. Could it be perfume? No, sir. This is coffee. <laughs> Bertie, we're trying to think of some gift a woman would like, starting with the letter P. Something for a woman? How about petticoat? He wouldn't dare. <laughs> Any other ideas, Bertie? Well, it could be something for the kitchen. Let's see, pot, pan, percolator? Bertie, this is a present for Mrs. Winthrop. Yes, sir. And you say it starts with the letter P. Oh, I got it, Mr. Gillsleeve. You have? I know something she likes. Philadelphia cream cheese. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What a crafty answer. Pendleton. I wish I'd have thought of giving her something starting with P for Paula. Hey, let's see. Might be a purse. Or a string of pearls. Water commissioner, you're getting in over your head. Well, good morning, Gildy. Well, the Honorable Judge Hooker. Good morning, Horace. You were walking along with a faraway look in your eye. Dreaming of a white Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> You old goat. Yeah, I'm trying to get an idea about a Christmas present for Mrs. Winthrop, Horace. Oh? Well, I came down to hear the Kraft Choral Club. They're going to sing under the community Christmas tree. Oh, yes. Let's get a little closer. Yeah. I've been so worried about Paula's Christmas present, I almost forgot they were in town. They came all the way from Chicago, Gilda. Yeah, I know, Judge. See, there's a lot of them. wonder who makes the cheese while they're on tour. Shh. They're about to sing. Ladies and gentlemen, at this Christmas season, it is our pleasure to present the Kraft Choral Club under the direction of Gerhard Schroep.
My, they're magnificent. Yeah, they're great, all right. I think I'll try to find something for Paul in a hurry and come back. I'll wait here, Gildy. In fact, I may go up and sing with them. Please, not that judge. They didn't come all the way from Chicago to hear you cackle. Now, Gildy. Wait. They're going to sing again. of my heart and send the yuletide spirit coursing through my veins. Quiet, horse. Listen. Gildersleeve continues his search for a Christmas present in just a moment. Again this year, as the holiday season approaches, the makers of Kraft Quality Foods wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a happy and prosperous New Year. During the year now drawing to a close, we have appreciated the confidence you have shown through your purchases in all the fine food products which your grocer has brought to you from Kraft. You may be sure that Kraft products will continue to merit your confidence in the future as they have in the past, and that the Kraft name on any label will continue to be your guide to the very finest in foods. Again, we say Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to each of you from all the men and women of Kraft. Now, back to the great Gildersleeve. Well, there's a fancy Christmas package under the tree at Paula Winthrop's house from Gildersleeve's out-of-town rival. What's in it? That's what the water commissioner would like to know. Hey, whatever it is, I'll get her something better. He may have the edge of me saying goodbye on the porch. But by George, I'll beat him under the Christmas tree. Yeah, I'll go all out. Hello, Peavy. Oh, hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. <laughs> What can I do for you this afternoon? Yeah, I'm looking for a Christmas present, Peavy. For a lady. Something extra special. A gift for Mrs. Winthrop, is it? You bet. That sneaky Pendleton fellow bought her something that looks pretty nice. And I'm going to go him one better. I'm going to get her something so beautiful and so clever, it'll make him look silly. My, my. Giving you trouble, is he? Well, I guess Paul is impressed with the guy because he came all the way from Dayton to see her. Well, that does take more of an effort than just walking across the street the way you do. <laughs> Any ideas, Peavy? 
Well, you might go to Dayton and come back. <laughs> no, Petey. I want suggestions about a gift. Well, what did she like? Has uh, she dropped any hints? No. She's been too busy planning a nice Christmas for the children's home. She spends a lot of time over there. Oh, that's nice. There must be something clever and original I can get for her, Petey. Does she like sweetmeats? Sweetmeats? We have some very attractive boxes of candied prunes, quite healthful, too. <laughs> no, Petey. Well, how about some musical bath salts? No. Well, how about a nice set of bath scales? Women like to weigh themselves, you know. No. Mr. Gildersleeve, you're rather hard to please. Yep. Petey, I've got to get something different. Something original. Now, you've had plenty of experience at this Christmas thing. Mm, that's true. You've been buying Christmas presents for Mrs. Peavy for 20 years. Yes, I have. Well, certainly, after all that time, a man should know what it takes to please a woman. No, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can see you're going to be no help at all, Peavy. I'm going over to Hogan Brothers. That's a good idea, and happy shopping, Mr. Gildersleeve. Happy shopping. <laughs> Oop, elevator's crowded. Ooh, what a mob in these stores. Why does everybody wait till the last minute to buy presents? Oop, watch that umbrella, lady. Second floor, phonographs, radios, toys. Uh, out on two, please. Come here, please. You might get her a radio. No, everybody has a radio. I'd be more original than that if I'm going to beat that Dayton Don Juan. Christmas won't mean a thing to me unless I outdo it. Well, cute toys up here. Oh, is that you, Mr. Gillsleeve? Yeah, hello, Bertie. What are you doing up here in toys? Oh, I got a lot of little nieces and nephews I have to buy for. Oh, yes. They don't have much, so when I show up every Christmas with my arms full of toys, they think I'm some pumpkin. Yeah, I'll bet they do, Bertie. Say... What if I showed up with an armful of toys for those kitties at the children's home? The ones Mrs. Winthrop is so fond of. Oh, them children would think you were some pumpkins too, Mr. Gillsleeve. Well, I guess they would. What's more, I'd be some pumpkins with Paula, too. Yes, sir. You bet. There's nothing I could do that would impress her more. Right, George, this is a great idea we had, Bertie. Click, click, I want to buy some toys. <laughs> kids are. Paula's car is parked out in front, but say, I'll bet she's in the infirmary. Well, I'll walk in on them, pass out these toys to the little kitties, and tell Paula this is my Christmas present to her. What can she say? Except that I'm the greatest guy in the world. This will fix that Bruce Pendleton. You can never top this. Well, here we are. I see some children. Hello, kitties. Hello. Hello. Uh, where's Mrs. Winthrop? She'll be back. She went to get us some orange juice. Oh. Where are all the rest of the children? They got taken downtown. They did? Yeah. 
to see the big Christmas tree. All that we're able to go. I see. Well, I'll just put these packages down and wait for Mrs. Winter. Are you Santa Claus? Me? No, he's not Santa Claus. He hasn't got a white beard. But he's nice and fat. <laughs> yeah, but he's not Santa Claus. Santa Claus never comes around here. No, wait a minute, young fellow. I'm sort of a Santa Claus. I brought all these presents to you children. For us, honest and truly? Oh, boy. You see, Tommy, he is Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, boy, I gotta come over and see him. Tommy's lucky he's in a wheelchair. Oh, well, I'll bring the presents around to your little bed when Mrs. Winthrop comes. I want to open mine now. No, wait a minute, Tommy. You shouldn't open presents until Christmas. I don't want to open mine until Christmas. I just want to dream about what's in them. That's the idea, little girl. While we're waiting for Mrs. Winthrop, will you read us a Christmas story? Christmas story? That's what she was doing. Yeah, in that book. Well, I like stories. I used to read them to my niece and nephew. Yeah, let's see what we have here. Why the Chimes Rang by Raymond McDonald Alden. I like that one. I don't know it. Well, I've been in here longer than you have. Yes. Well, let's read it. We don't have much time. Once upon a time, in a faraway country, there was a wonderful church. It stood on a high hill in the midst of a great city. And every Sunday, as well as on sacred days like Christmas, thousands of people climbed the hill to its great archways, looking like lines of ants all moving in the same direction. They don't allow ants in here. Stop interrupting, Tommy. Yes, you must listen, Tommy. Now, all the people knew that at the top of the tower was a chime of Christmas bells. They'd hung up there ever since the church had been built and were the most beautiful bells in the world. Some described them as sounding like angels far up in the sky. And others as sounding like strange winds singing through the trees. But for many years, they had never been heard. Why didn't the bells ring? Well, we're coming to that. It was said that people had been growing less careful of their gifts for the Christ child, and that no offering was brought which was fine enough to deserve the music of the chimes. Every Christmas Eve, people still crowded to the altar, each one trying to bring some gift better than any other. Why'd they do that? Well, for personal reasons, I guess. They were trying to make a big impression. Oh. Now, where were we? Oh, yes. Now, a number of miles from the city, in a little country village, lived a boy named Pedro and his little brother. They had heard of the service in the church on Christmas Eve and planned to go see the beautiful celebration. Nobody can guess, little brother, Pedro would say, all the fine things there are to see and hear. And I've even heard it said that the Christ child himself sometimes comes down to bless the service. What if we could see him? The day before Christmas, Pedro and little brother were able to slip quietly away and although the walking was hard in the frosty air, before nightfall they had trudged so far hand in hand that they saw the lights of the big city just ahead of them. They were about to enter one of the great gates in the wall that surrounded it, when they saw something dark on the snow near their path and stepped aside to look at it. What was it? Well, let's see. There by the path was a poor woman 
who had fallen in the snow, too sick and tired to get in where she might have found shelter. Oh. Pedro knelt down beside her. You will have to go on alone, little brother, he said. Alone, cried little brother, but you will not see the Christmas festival. No, said Pedro, and he could not keep back a bit of choking sound in his throat. See this poor woman. Her face looks like the Madonna in the chapel window, and she will freeze to death if nobody cares for her. But I cannot bear to leave you and go on alone, said little brother. Both of us need not miss the service, said Pedro, and it better be I than you. You can easily find your way to the church, and you must see and hear everything twice, little brother. Once for you, and once for me. And oh, if you get a chance, little brother, to slip up to the altar without getting in anyone's way, take this little silver piece of mine and lay it down for my offering when no one is looking. In this way, he hurried little brother off to the city and winked hard to keep back the tears as he heard the crunching footsteps sounding farther and farther away in the twilight. The great church was wonderful that night. When the organ played and the thousands of people sang, the walls shook with the sound. And little Pedro, way outside the city wall, felt the earth tremble around him. At the close of the service came the procession with the offerings to be laid on the altar. Rich men and great men marched proudly up to lay down their gifts to the Christ child. Some brought wonderful jewels. Some brought baskets of gold. But the chimes did not ring. And last of all came the king of the country, hoping with all the rest to win for himself the chime of the Christmas bells. There went a great murmur through the church as the people saw the king take from his head the royal crown, all set with precious stones, and lay it gleaming on the altar as his offering to the holy child. Surely, everyone said, we shall hear the bells now, for nothing like this has ever happened before. But still, only the cold old wind was heard in the tower. And the people shook their heads. And some of them said, as they had said before, that they never really believed the story of the chimes and doubted if they ever rang at all. Suddenly, everyone looked at the old minister, who was standing by the altar holding up his hand for silence. Not a sound could be heard from anyone in the church, but as all the people strained their ears to listen, there came softly but distinctly swinging through the air, the sound of the chimes in the tower. So far away, and yet so clear the music seemed. So much sweeter were the notes than anything that had been heard before, rising and falling away up there in the sky, that the people in the church sat for a moment, as still as though something held each of them by the shoulders. Then they all stood up together and stared straight at the altar to see what great gift had awakened the long silent bells. But all that the nearest of them saw was the childish figure of little brother who had crept softly down the aisle 
when no one was looking, and had laid Pedro's little piece of silver on the altar. That's a wonderful story. Why did the bells ring when little brother laid the piece of silver on the altar? Well... Why didn't they ring when the great man brought jewels and things? Well, like the book said, each one was trying to bring some gift better than any other. Those men were trying to outdo each other, while little Pedro gave out of the goodness of his heart. He didn't have any ulterior motive. Ulterior motive? What's that? Well, I guess that's what I had when I came in here. That's Mrs. Winthrop coming. It is? Yeah. I guess I'll be going. Aren't you going to wait and see Mrs. Winthrop? Where are you going, mister? Well, I think I'll sneak out this side door. But how'll she know who brought the presents? Well, that's not important anymore. Merry Christmas. Thanks. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'll tiptoe down the back steps. Well, five o'clock. I didn't know the children's home had chimes. Christmas, everybody. Portions of the preceding program were transcribed. Groucho Marx, you bet your life, he's on NBC. F. Fibber McG and Molly Folder. F. First Nighter F. Fibber McG 4712230533 Lost Hearing. Fibber McG 401224F267 Radio Phonograph. Fibber McG 411209030440% off. Fibber McG 411216030305 Fibber Cuts His Own Christmas. Fibber McG 411223030306 Christmas Present. Fibber McG 431221038383 Looking for a Christmas Tree. Fibber McG 441219049 Early Christmas Present. Fibber G4612240496 Fixing Toys the Day Before Chris Enter. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. And Molly. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, B. Benadaret, and me, Harlow Wilcox. 
The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. very often that we have the privilege of coming into your home on Christmas Eve. In fact, we figured it out this morning and discovered that it's happened only three times in the past 11 years. Well, that makes tonight a very special occasion for all of us on the show and for the makers of Johnson's Wax. So, on behalf of Fibber and Molly and all the rest of us, here's hoping you have a very happy holiday season. We take you now to the Wistful Vista branch of Santa Claus Incorporated, where we find one of St. Nick's little helpers hard at work. He's got a room full of broken toys, a handful of broken tools, and a future full of broken fingers. Ow! That's right. This touching scene has been repeated at intervals all week. And all Mrs. McGee can say right now is... Oh, dear. As we join Fibber McGee and Molly. How's it coming, McGee? Got many more toys to fix? Many more to fix. My gosh, yes. About 150. All together? About five of them are all together. (laughs) The other 145 are all apart. But I can do it. Now, look, you see this little music box? I think I got this fixed. Oh, play it. Okay. Well, I wind it up. Listen to this. <laughs> Pretty, huh? What was it? Silent Night. <laughs> look, dearie, uh, doesn't Mother's eager little beaver think his bright little teeth have bitten off more than they can chew this time? No, I got plenty of time. They don't have to be ready till the day before Christmas. I've got a TL for you, McGee. Huh? This is the day before Christmas. What? It is? Sure. Oh, my gosh, I got to get busy. Hand me that chisel and a handful of nails. Thanks. Now, let me see. What will I work on next? <laughs> How about this uh, thirsty little coaster wagon with its tongue hanging out? It needs a new front wheel. I thought maybe if I took a wheel off of this tricycle and made a bicycle out of it, then took the frame off the bicycle and made a scooter out of it, I could use the saddle for this hobby horse, which would give me an extra pair of handlebars, which I could use for, uh... What could I make out of fire? <laughs> well, I'll think of something. Hey, did you see how I fixed up this little toy carpet sweeper? No. Does it work? Oh, I'll say it works. Look. You push it forward, picks up the dirt. Amazing. Pull it backwards, it throws the dirt out again. (laughs) That way, the kid can use the same dirt all day long. (laughs) Don't have to keep running outdoors for fresh dirt. (laughs) I think that's a very good... Come in. Well, for goodness sakes, Mr. Wimple. Hello, Pete. Hi, Wimple, old man. You better not sit down anyplace unless you've been vaccinated against hacksaw blades. Well, I can't stay, but only if... My gracious, look at all the toys. Aren't you ashamed, Mr. McGee? No, what for? Opening all your presents before Christmas? Oh, 
Oh, those aren't his, Mr. Wimple. He's repairing them for children who might not otherwise get any. The school is in charge of distribution. Isn't that nice? Yes. You must be very handy with tools, Mr. McGee. You said it, boy. Why, when I was... Hey, what's that book you got under your arm there, Wimp? If that's zombie comics, can I borrow it when you get through? <laughs> no, this is... This is just my bird book, Mr. McGee. Your what, Mr. Wimple? My bird book. <laughs> I've been out watching birds today. Oh. I saw a barn swallow and... I'm going to write a nasty letter to the book publisher. Wrong picture, Mr. Wimple? No, but they can't tell me a teensy-weensy little bird like that can swallow a barn. (laughs) They don't really eat barns, Wimp. (laughs) They just peck the grain out of the wood. Yeah. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell. Well, anyway, I think I'm going to get my notes together and write my own big book. Uh, does uh, Mrs. Wimple go with you on those bird-watching expeditions, Mr. Wimple? Oh, no. Sweetie Face, that's my big old wife. <laughs> she doesn't... Oh, that reminds me, Mr. McGee. Have you got a shotgun I can borrow? Why, certainly he has, Mr. Wimple. But do bird lovers go hunting? Maybe not, Mrs. McGee. But this is for something I've been planning to do... Every Christmas for ten years, huh? I'm going to get up early in the morning and shoot sweetie things. What? No, no. Yes, I am. I'm going to get up early in the morning and shoot sweetie face the wild duck for Christmas dinner. (laughs) Merry Christmas. McGee, I don't like to nag, but hadn't you better get busy with those toys? You haven't much time left, you know. My gosh, I haven't at that. Now, let me see. I think I'll fix up this dollhouse. The roof sags like a restaurant pie. Hand me that hammer, and I'll have this thing fixed before... Excuse me, folks. I forgot my big book. Oh, here it is. Uh, (laughs) He'd forget his head if it wasn't fastened on. And with Sweetie Face Ron, I'm surprised it still is. Me too. Where's my hammer? I gotta fix this dollhouse. Here, Nan, be careful. You only have seven good fingers left. Okay. I can take care. Oh, I had a little rabbit, and I wish I had her still. She was good for 18 carats, so I called her Diamond Lil. <laughs> oh, the what's going on? Ah! Yeah, oh, that's dear. <laughs> Look at that dollhouse. If I ever have any toys to be repaired, sweetheart, I hope I can remember to tear up your phone number. This is discouraging, you know what? All them little kids depending on me to fix these toys, and here it is almost time to have the... Come in. Oh, my goodness, Mrs. Carstairs. Do come in, Millicent. How do you do, my dear? Good day, Miss McGee. Hi, Carsty. Don't trip over that kitty car there. You're liable to wind up with your head through a drum. <laughs> Good heavens, what a tremendous lot of toys. Yep. Did they belong to your father? His father? Why did you ask, Millicent? Well, I just thought that no child could cause that much destruction in one generation. These are not my toys, Millicent. And in the second place, I was not a destructive child. Why, I still got a little box camera I was given in 19 off 13. <laughs> Does it still work, McGee? Yeah, it works all right, but I don't use it. Too dangerous. Dangerous? Yeah. Cuts everybody's head off. 
um, what may I ask are you doing with all these toys, Miss McGee? Well, the school collected them, Millicent, and McGee was to fix them up for the more unfortunate children. Oh, what a splendid idea. I find myself revising my opinion of you, Mr. McGee. This is a side of your character I had not suspected. Oh, you'd be surprised, Millicent. His character has more strange sides than a Calypso album. <laughs> no, this is nothing any red-blooded American boy wouldn't have done if he'd stuck his big, fat neck out like I did. <laughs> but what a tremendous job you have to do in such a short time, Mr. McGee. Uh, well, this toy trumpet, for instance. Can you straighten this out? Well, not knowing how to play a trumpet in the first place, he probably wouldn't know when it was fixed, Millicent. <laughs> oh, well, perhaps I can help. I I once played trumpet in the orchestra at Wellesley. <laughs> Let me take it. Oh, fine. Here, Carsey. Pucker up and have a go at the blues, sugar. I mean, uh, <laughs> the sugar blues. Uh, the sugar blues. <laughs> sugar blues is more of a trombone number, Mr. McGee. Oh. I'll try the 12th Street rag. Although I'm afraid my embouchure is not what it was. Oh, I don't know. With a fur coat on, it's McGee. hard McGee! To... <laughs> Go ahead, Carsty. Very well. <gasps> Lovely. My gosh, that trumpet don't need fixing. That's in fine shape. Uh, uh, thank you. <laughs> and now, mister, if you'll excuse me, I must go down to the Maritime Union headquarters and get Mr. Carter's Christmas present. To the Maritime Union for a Christmas present? Yes, I'm, I'm getting him a new crew for his yacht. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas to both of you. You know, dearie, she's right. The time is awfully short to do much about these toys. I know it. Maybe if I work fast, I'll... Oh, my, my tools are no good. You know, look at them. The chisel is nicked, the pliers are falling apart, and the hammer is looser in the head than I am. I got to get down to the hardware store quick and get some new tools. Where's my hat and coat? Where's that bait can I was hiding my money in? Well, now, if you can't remember where you hide your money, dearie, I'm sure oh, I... Oh, I remember. It's right here behind the dictionary. Here it is. Well, I gotta get going. Well, I'll see you later. Goodbye. Wait a minute. You didn't kiss me. Huh? Oh. Goodbye. <laughs> ah, there goes the good kid. And who does he think he's fooling? Billy Mills in the orchestra and the parade of the wooden soldiers.
a Christmas this is going to be. Trevor McGee, the dope of the agent. What a sap. What a husband. Somebody ought to put a Santa Claus suit on me and drop me down in the chimney of a blaster. Now, wait a minute, McGee. What are you going to tell her? Are you going to tell her you spent all your Christmas money for new toys? My gosh, I don't know. Well, you got to say something. Oh, yeah? The reason I got into this mess is by talking too much. I know, but what are you going to do now? Gee, I don't know. Well, think. I am thinking. The only thing to do is to stall, boy. Stall for time. Okay, that's my only option. I'll stall. That's you, McGee? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was the hardware store open? Yeah, it was open. That's nice. There's some hot coffee on the stove if you want some. Thanks, kiddo. Well, why don't you ask me? Let's get it over with. Here's a Christmas card from Aunt Sarah. Oh, yeah, I'll bet there's postage due on it. That old dame is so tight she couldn't put on her hat without lifting herself off the floor. Well, you got it wrong this time, sweetheart. You know what? She sent us a $500 check for Christmas. What? She did? 500 bucks? That's right. And she said if the Republicans are elected in 1948, she'll sign it. Oh, well, come on, McGee. Why don't you tell her, you big ape? You yellow or something? Uh, Molly... I, I got something to tell you. All right, dearie. What is it? I, uh... Well... Tell me later, McGee. Come in. Oh, for goodness sakes, it's the mayor, McGee. Hello, Your Honor. Good evening, Molly. Hello, McGee. Smile, the trip, old man. Merry Christmas. And the same to both of you. McGee, I just dropped by to tell you how grateful the school commissioners are for this toy-mending project you've undertaken. Oh, he loved doing it, Mr. Mayor. Just give himself here a handful of tools and he'll chisel, chisel, chisel all day long. Yeah, but on this toy deal, the trip, I... Believe me, McGee, when Miss Yegley told me all about it and that you'd volunteered to repair all those toys, I was touched. You were touched? <laughs> Just look how he fixed this coaster wagon, Mr. Mayor. He couldn't repair the wheels, so he put four holes in the bottom of it so two children with roller skates on could stick their feet through it. <laughs> I thought it was very ingenious myself. Yeah, but that was... By the way, I... may I help deliver any of these things, McGee? How about this electric train? Is that finished? Oh, he did a wonderful job rewiring that little train, Mr. Mayor. McGee, show the mayor how when you throw the signal switch, the train jumps the track and rolls over three times. <laughs> oh, I'll have to admit I'm not much with electric stuff. I even get nervous handling a wire coat hanger. But it don't matter now, Latrip, because what I do yes, now... Yes, yes, yes. But as I say, McGee, I'll be glad to deliver any of this stuff for you. How, how about this sled? No, no, Your Honor, I don't believe no, I... No, 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 not that sled, Latrip. You don't try to pick well, up don't that... don't talk sl- nonsense, McGee. No, if no. If can handle this, I'm sure I won't no. have any... Tru- oh! Oh, my bag! I've broken my bag! Well, we warned you, Mr. Mayor. What's, what's that sled made of, lead? No. I was putting some new runners on it, Latrip, but the nails were too long and I nailed it to the floor. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that's quite all right. I'll let you know how my X-rays come out. Merry Christmas. Look at the poor man walking up the street, McGee, all bent over, like he was looking for four-leaf clovers. Well, I told him not to pick up that sled, but this being not election time, he don't listen to the common people. See, what was it you started to tell me before he came in, McGee? Uh, Oh, yeah. Well, I... Oh, gee, I feel like a mug telling you this, Molly, but... Well, I was... Oh, stop scraping your foot on the carpet and tell me. Okay. 
Well, when I got downtown with my Christmas money... Merry Christmas, Molly. Happy New Year, pal. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. The same to you. Rushing the season a little with that New Year stuff, aren't you, Junior? Well, I thought I'd throw that in early because I won't be seeing you next week. Oh, that's right. You won't, will you? Sitting here next Tuesday night listening to Fred Waring, we'll miss you, Mr. Wilcox. Thank you, Molly. Will you miss me too, pal? I, I don't trust myself to talk, Junior. The very thought of you not dropping in here next Tuesday just kind of overwhelms me. <laughs> yeah, if he starts turning handsprings, Mr. Wilcox, you'll know it's strictly from grief. I know what you mean. I think that's a great idea, though, bringing Fred Waring and that wonderful music of his back for a week. Yeah, me and Molly and the people in Racine thought it would be kind of a nice New Year's greeting to everyone if we asked Fred to take over the Johnson Wax program for next week. Mr. Waring and his Pennsylvanians will sort of express musically our New Year wish for our friends, Mr. Wilcox. Well, I'm going to love it. Tuesday nights, I don't get much chance to listen anyhow to a good musical. Oh, hey, look at all the toys. <laughs> Say, I'll swap you a good jackknife for that musical top, pal. I'll throw in a ball of kite string, too. No deal, Junior. This stuff isn't mine. I've been trying to fix it up for the kids around town. Without much success, I might add. You might indeed. Look at the dollhouse, Mr. Wilcox. He was fixing the roof on it and suddenly found his elbows in the basement. <laughs> That's because I'm a clumsy oaf. If I'd only kept my... What are you doing, cut... Mr. Wilcox? Just writing a little note. A note? Yes, yeah, to the little girl who gets this dollhouse. Mind if I shove it under the door here? Not at all. Mind if we read it first? Not at all. Go ahead. Let's see. To the little girl who gets this lovely dollhouse. When you grow up and have a real house of your own, don't forget to keep it beautiful and clean with Johnson's Wax Products. <laughs> Signed, a friend. Uh, Isn't that sweet? A friend. My goodness. That's the first anonymous letter I ever saw that was constructed. <laughs> yep. Well, I'll see you a week from Tuesday, folks. Happy Yuletide. Same to you, Mr. Wilcox. Old Waxy never quits, does he? McGee, bet... you started to tell me something, you know. Oh, oh yeah. I was. I was trying to tell you what... I feel awful about this kiddo, but... Uh, gee... Was it something about the toys, dearie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Now, look. When I took my Christmas money... This is like reading a continued story in a monthly magazine. <laughs> Come in. Merry Christmas, my dear, and a cheery Yuletide greeting to you, too, Jingle Brain. Hello, Dr. Gamble. Nice to see you. Well, well, if it isn't the mortician's friend. Hi, Sulfa Huckster. What are you doing with all the toys, Beaver Bottom? Been hijacking Santa Claus? Well, he undertook to repair them for some children for Christmas, Doctor. You don't say. I'll have to tear up that article I was writing about him for the medical journal. Maybe he does have a heart. Hmm. I've paid you enough dough to listen to it, butcher boy. <laughs> and what are you doing out on Christmas Eve? Not that your absence from the hospital is not a splendid gift for the sick. <laughs> Business a little dull, Doctor? Yes, it is, rather. Ordinarily, I'm busy Christmas Eve pulling fat fathers out of fireplaces or treating them for burned noses. They never seem to learn that long white beards light up quicker than a cigarette. <laughs> By the way, what are you two doing New Year's Eve? Going to spend a quiet evening right here in front of the fireplace, Tonsil Peaker. <laughs> Cracking jokes and walnuts. <laughs> Why? I have reservations at a nightclub if you'd care to join me. Well, thank you so much, Doctor, but we want to stay in that night and listen to Fred Waring. Fred Waring? Something special? Yeah, he's going to be on the air for Johnson's Wax next Tuesday night at the same time, Pat. It's oh, going oh. to be a novelty for radio, Doctor, a singing program, a spoken commercial. That I shall have to hear. I'll tear up my reservations and join you, if I may. Pray do, Doctor, and bring your medicine bag. 
I always eat too much caramel popcorn on New Year's Eve. I'll be there with full equipment, glutton button. <laughs> Although I'll probably be called out a few times during the evening. Really, Doctor? Yes, New Year's Eve, you know. Oh, yeah. People forget that slow gin and fast cars can be a poisonous combination. Oh. As the head gets lighter on the neck, the foot gets heavier on the accelerator. Well, Merry Christmas. Thank you, Now that we got a minute alone, Molly, look. Remember when I grabbed that bait can with my dough in it and ran down to the hardware store? Yeah. Well, the fact is, I... I oh, this is going to make me look like an awful fool. Now, sweetheart, when you fumbled that installment wedding ring on my finger, I took it for better or for worse. Hmm. Mostly it's been for the better, so you might as well average it up a little. Well, okay. Here's the situation. When I realized I... Say, maybe you better write me an inter-office memo, maybe. Yeah. Conversationally, we're not getting any place. Come in. Oh, Alfred. Hi, Teeny. Hi, mister. Hi, Miss McGee. Teeny's the one who talked me into fixing all these toys, Molly. Yes, I know. This, I owe you an explanation. See, mister, you don't owe anybody anything, I bet you. Huh? <laughs> I just ordered school and I saw all those toys. Oh, boy. Are they ever super, though? Just like new. Thanks ever so much, mister. Well, I gotta spill this sometime, I guess. Sis, those toys are new. I bought them and had them sent over there. Oh, you mean you couldn't fix the old ones, Mister? Couldn't you? Couldn't you? No, no, I couldn't. As a toy repairman, I'm about as handy as a turtle at a taffy pull. I flopped the assignment, Sis. You did not, I bet you. You were wonderful. Miss Yegley was so happy she cried. She did? Hmm? I said she did. Did what? Cried. Oh. Miss Yagley! I know it. <laughs> she said to thank you ever so much, mister. That's okay, sis. Molly, that's what I've been trying to tell you. Yes, I know, but what took you so long? Well, my gosh. I feel like a chump. I had to use the money I was saving for your Christmas present. Oh, gee. And you know what? When I opened that fake can, I found I had almost twice as much money saved as I thought. Yes, dearie, I knew what you were up against, so I took the money I was going to buy your present with and put it in with yours. <laughs> what? You mean you knew I... Oh, but Molly, you won't get any present. Well, neither will you. Huh? And I think it's the nicest Christmas we ever had. It ain't bad at that, is it? Hey, gee, can I bring the boys in now, mister? Huh? What boys? The same boys that always sing for you on Christmas. Oh, sure. Hey, Johnny, Randy, Buddy, Kenny, come on in, kids. Merry Christmas, Christmas, (laughs) (laughs) Ah, dear, those kids haven't grown an inch since last year. (laughs) Now, you sit down there, Miss McGee. And, Miss McGee, you sit over there. No, 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 not at the piano. We're going to use that. All right, boys, are you ready? And a one, and a two, and a three. Oh, 
National Broadcasting Company. Christmas Eve, 1946, February McGee and Molly. Talk about So let's go to the one, the next volume from 47. So stand by. Padding set to my escape. Alt tab, Christmas Flipper McGee 4 page up, Jack Benny folder. J, Jack Ben F. Lama Danburn MP3, J, Jack Carson, J, Jack Ben F. F, Flipper McGee 47122305333, lost hearing. Unloading to can, okay, enter, Christmas shows folders, items. The Johnson's Wax Program with Flipper McGee and Molly. <laughs> Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsman and Billy Mills Orchestra. You know, it's a beautiful sight to sit in a room and see the red and green lights of a Christmas tree reflected softly in the luster of well-polished furniture. It makes the room warmer and richer somehow. Well, now your furniture will have the kind of luster that reflects the holiday lights if you polish it with Johnson's Cream Wax. You just rub on a little cream wax, let it dry a second or two, and then polish lightly. The surface will actually glow. Dust and dirt won't stick to your furniture or light-colored woodwork, for there's not one single drop of oil in Johnson's Cream Wax. Once polished, all that's necessary to keep that wonderful glow is an occasional light dusting. Clean and polish your furniture in one easy operation with Johnson's Cream Wax. Then sit back and look at the warm reflection of those Christmas tree lights in every shining surface. Use Johnson's Cream Wax to bring out the beauty of the home. Look on the bright side, shine up the right side, bring out the beauty of the home. One reason things always look brighter in the morning than they did the night before is that it isn't so dark in the daytime. But a little tough luck that Mr. McGee of 79 Wistful Vista had last night was not helped a bit by eight hours sleep. Listen to himself this morning as we join Fibber McGee and Molly. 
more breakfast for me, kiddo. I got to get going. Not even another cup of coffee? No. Why, you haven't had fewer than three cups of coffee for breakfast since the big Taft ran for president. <laughs> I can't help it, Snooky. I got to backtrack myself to the Elks Club and look for my key ring. I lost it on my way home last night. Why didn't you stop and look for it then? Because it was blacker than the inside of a buffalo. The moon was behind clouds, the street lights were behind telephone poles, and I was behind $2.40 playing snooker, and I wanted to get home. Your key ring? Why, McGee, the key to the hall closet was on your key ring, and all our Christmas presents are locked in the hall closet. I know it, but don't you worry now. I'll find them. I'll just walk back the way I came. Down Oak Street, over to 14th. McGee? Huh? Have you looked out the window this morning? No, no. You know I can't stand the sight of daylight till after I've had my coffee. Yes, I know. I sent Maxwell House a Christmas card in Kara Burns and Allen. Good. But uh, take a peek out the window, sweetheart. I haven't got time, baby. i got to look for my key ring, so... Oh, my gosh. Snow. Three feet of it. Oh. It just stopped snowing a little while ago. Isn't it Beautiful. Beautiful? With my key ring, with the key to the hall closet, with all our Christmas presents locked in it, buried under it? Why, it's horrible. Well, I gotta get going anyway. Dad, Brad, where's my overcoat? Where's my mittens? See if you can find my overshoes. Where's what are you my... going to do? Your key ring is under three feet of snow. I'll find it if it's under 44 feet of French fried frog legs. <laughs> I'll shovel the sidewalk clean clear down to the Elks Club, or clear clean down to the Elks Club, as the case may be. Now, I'll find the dad. I hope that's Foggy Williams, the weatherman. And if it is, kiddo, you'd better leave the room. I got, a, I got a few choice remarks to make there. Now, 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 the weatherman can't help it if it snows. Uh, he can predict it, can't he? So people will be prepared and not go losing their key rings the night before. But, darling, he did predict Well, who believes him? <laughs> My gosh, if I ever thought it was... Come in. Hi, Miss McGee. Hi, Miss McGee. Gee, isn't this wonderful? Four feet of snow. Three feet. Well, I bet you it would be up to my hips on you, I bet you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, can us kids ever have fun now, though, ever? Ah, fun, Patah. Well, Teeny, it's nice to see you. Hand me my sweater, will you, Molly? Thanks. Thanks. Now, where's my muffler? Gee, don't Mr. McGee like snow, Miss McGee? Don't you, Mr. McGee? Hmm, don't you? Hmm? <laughs> Look, sis, snow is beautiful. In a photograph of Mount Whitney taken from 45 miles away. It's beautiful to a grizzly bear that's been Hibernian for the winter in a cave somewhere. But underfoot and down your neck and up your sleeve, you can have it. Where's my overshoes? Hey, Mr. McGee, if you're going past my house, come on in because we've got a surprise for you. The kids and me. <laughs> you know, Johnny and Kenny and Buddy and Ratty are practicing our Christmas carols. Yeah, look, 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 Teeny. Hmm? Some other time, I'd love to stand around in my overshoes and hear the exciting news about you and Kenny and Ratty and all them other... Buddy and Johnny. Yeah, but I got to work today. <laughs> so if you'll excuse me, I got to go shovel some snow. Oh, my daddy can't shovel snow. Hmm? He's got his arm in a cast. He cut himself shaving. <laughs> he, uh, he cut himself shaving and got his arm in a cast? Sure. He said he was eating popcorn at the time, and the bag fell down over his eye. Now, wait a minute, sis. He was eating popcorn at the time, and yeah, the... Yeah, but he says it wouldn't happen again in a million years, because he don't care how vicious a dog is, he can make friends with it, rain or shine. Well, what that got to... Well, stop at my house if you can, mister. I know you'll like the surprise we got for you. So long, Miss McGee. Bye, Teeny. 
I walk kind of lopsided, kiddo. It's because I think I just had my leg pulled. <laughs> well, here I go, Tootsie. I think you were a little rude to Teeny McGee. My goodness knows just what children love at Christmas time, and she was so happy at having this surprise for you. Surprise my clavicle. <laughs> Hearing her and them other kids sing Christmas carols is about as much of a surprise as waking up on New Year's Day to find out it's January. Now, let me see. Have I forgot anything? Well, I don't think so. You have your overshoes. Yeah. Three sweaters, overcoat, mittens, your hat with the earmuffs. Huh? Your hat with the earmuffs. I can't hear you. Earmuffs! Wait a minute, I can't hear anything with these dad-ratted earmuffs on. <laughs> what did you say? I merely said... Oh, clang, clang, clang. I never saw it to fail. The minute I get busy or want to go someplace, that dad-ratted doorbell starts ringing like there was a fire on the waterfront. Come in. Well, my goodness, Dr. Gamble with snow on his eyebrows. Come on in out of the cold, doctor. Thank you, my dear. And what are you all bundled up for, wet wash? <laughs> you look like a sail going somewhere to rummage. <laughs> you hate to see me dressed up warm, eh, Greedy? Need a few pneumonia cases to pay off your Christmas bills, eh? <laughs> Lumpy, when I start picking patients in advance, they'll have better credit ratings than yours. <laughs> And I would like to add that as a judge of character, you will never be re-elected. Well, to answer your question, Doctor, he's going out for, uh, to look for his key ring. He lost it somewhere between here and the Ux Club last night. A splendid project. Do all that work just to recover a dime store key ring with six keys, three of them unidentified, a bottle opener, a lucky rabbit's foot, which doesn't seem to have done him any good, and an identification tag which says, Please return to Fibber McGee, 79 Wistful Vista, no reward. <laughs> However, good luck with it, Lemonhead. So long, my dear. That big old fraud with a little black bag wouldn't be so quippy if he knew that key ring held the key to the hall closet and all our presents were in there, including the one we're giving him. Hey, I better get going. I gotta find that key. Hey, couldn't we just get a locksmith to open the door for us? Nope, all closed. Holidays. Take the hinges off the door. I thought of that. With our hall closet, it's too dangerous. <laughs> you got to have the key. It's got to be so you can twist the key, turn the knob, and leap back. <laughs> well, here I go, kiddo. Into the wild white yonder. My hero. <laughs> Billy Mills in the orchestra and March of the Toys.
Don't see how anything so light could get so heavy so fast. <laughs> I gotta find those dad rather teased pretty quick. It'll soon be done. Oh, McGee, I brought you another thermos of hot coffee. How are you getting along, dearie? Terrible. I've been shoveling this dad rather stuff all day, and I can still see our house. <laughs> Give me the coffee, will you? Careful now, it's pretty hot. As cold as I am, I can't even tell if it's scalding. Boy, I could go for a hot buttered root beer right now. <laughs> Look, McGee, look who's coming, the weatherman. Yeah, walking around gloating, is he? If this is his idea of a... Hello, Mr. Williams. Hi, Foggy. Well, Mr. and Mrs. McGee, I'm glad to see you. Have a cigar, Mr. McGee? A cigar? Why, 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 thanks, Foggy. Is he celebrating something? (laughs) Can't you guess? You don't mean... Why, Mr. Williams, have you and Mrs. Williams had... No, 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 Mrs. Williams had nothing to do with this. This is my own snowstorm. I predicted it all by myself. Uh, <laughs> predicting weather must be fascinating work, Mr. Williams. No, thank you. I don't smoke cigars. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Yes, I had rather an interesting time out west last summer, experimenting with making weather. Well, if you can unmake it, boy, you and me have got a deal cooking. <laughs> What'd you do, Mr. Williams? Move in with an Navajo so you could whip up some Indian summers? <laughs> no. No. I I rented a plane, took it up 8,000 feet over a dusty ranch, and dropped 50 pounds of ice into a cloud. Then I landed to see what had happened. And what had happened, kiddo? I had killed a cow. Heavenly days, how unfortunate. Oh, it really was. The rancher was standing there, and he said if the ice had landed three feet to the left, it would have killed his (laughs) son-in-law. What was so unfortunate about that? Well, the son-in-law was a worthless lad, but the cow was valued at $600. (laughs) Well, I must get down to the office. My assistant is watching the instruments down there, and he just called to report a rise in temperature and a warm front. Oh, just what does that mean, Mr. Williams? It means he should turn around and stand with his back to the fire for a while. (laughs) Well, Merry Christmas to both of you. Uh, Same to you, you, Mr. Williams. Back to work, peasant. Trouble like you were getting paid by the hour. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What is it, McGee? Did you find the key ring? I don't know. There's something here, all right. Close to the sidewalk. Wait till I chip it loose. Ow. What was it? I told my overshoe. <laughs> Doggone it. I'm getting tired of this. Don't let me carry keys anymore, Molly. I can't be trusted well, to Well, now, we've tried it that way, too, remember? Hmm? You came home without your front door key the night I was out playing bridge. Yeah? You broke the big window, knocked over the floor lamp, put your foot in the goldfish bowl, grabbed the drapes to keep from falling, fell anyhow, hit the end table, rolled in the hall, and found the front door unlocked the way I left it for you. <laughs> I was only trying Hello to... there, Molly. Hiya, pal. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Pull up a snowbank and sit down. <laughs> Hi, Junior. Oh, boy, what a day this is. This really feels like Christmas. I love a good... Hey, wait a minute. Aren't you a little lost, pal? Your house is down the street there. I know that, Junior. Relax. I lost my key ring last night coming home from the Alps. It snowed all over it, so I'm looking for it with the snow snow. Oh, I see. Yeah. Any further questions? One. One more question. Why didn't you clean off your own sidewalk? Yours is the only house on the block with snow in front of it. 
I looked on our sidewalk last night, and the keys are not there. There's no use shoveling through a lot of snow that I know my keys are and ring isn't under. There's plenty between here and the office that I don't know where the monkey is. You know, he's always very efficient, Mr. Wilcox. Well, I'd like to stay and help you, pal, but I'm busy just walking around getting that old Christmas spirit today. Gee, I love this time of year. Oh, me too, Mr. Wilcox. Everybody's sending cards and buying presents. And locking them in hall closets. Christmas trees all lighted up, wreaths in all the windows. Snow all over my keys. Ah, you know, to me, Christmas and New Year's Day are real Johnson's Wax holidays. To you, Mr. Wilcox, so are Columbus Day, Easter, and the annual convention of the Daughters of Notary Republics of Western Florida. <laughs> also Navy Day in the Kentucky Derby. No, no, no. I mean that with the kids home from school, relatives and friends dropping in the house, the spirit of hospitality is really at its peak at this time of the year. There's a hand clasp at the door, a smile on the face, and a glistening, gleaming welcome from even the floors and furniture. Ah. You know what I mean? Well, if we don't, we've wasted a good 13 years. <laughs> Look. Look, Waxy. Yes, pal? Go cringle your Chris someplace else, will you? I got worse. I may have to shovel my way clean to the Elks. I got no time to stand here in barbershop with you. I give you two parting words. I know. Go home. No. Merry Christmas. Well, thank you, pal. And the same to both of us. Goodbye, you. Mr. Wilcox. Too bad we don't have another shovel or I could help you out a little. Well, now, you can just use this one a while, Tootsie. It's a nice light shovel. I mean, I know you wouldn't want the neighbors to see your wife doing manual labor like that right out on the street, of course. And what business is it of theirs? I'd like to know. If my wife wants to help me out when she sees I'm breaking my back trying to give us a nice... Oh, 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 oh. Here comes that kid down the street again. Oh, teeny. Yeah, I better get busy. She'll start giving me that pitch about Kenny and Rabbi and Buddy and... Hi, mister. Hi, Miss McGee. Hi. I'm very busy right now, teeny. Hello, teeny. You having fun? Sure. Me and Kenny and Buddy and Rabbi and Johnny have been practicing our Christmas carols. And Mr. McGee... What you want? This is if I didn't know. My house is just right down there, and if you just stop in a little while... We got a surprise for you, I bet you. I'm in no mood for surprises now. Best surprise you can give me right now is going home. Yeah, but... Gee, mister, don't you like little children? <laughs> Certainly I like little children. Don't you like old men? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay then. So long, Miss McGee. Hey, kids, not yet, he says. I'm kids. My back shoveling snow. Why don't you let the children sing for you and get it over with, McGee? You ought to sit down and rest a while anyhow. You know why I don't let them sing for me, Molly. My gosh, when I hear a bunch of grubby little kids like that singing Christmas carols all off key with their smeary little pusses lit up like an Easter sunrise, I get all mushy and start forgiving everybody for everything they ever done to me. And it's very embarrassing because sometimes I can't even remember what I was sore at them about. <laughs> He was, I gotta protect jingle myself. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the hell there, kids. Heavenly days, the old timer. Hi, old timer. What brings you out in this kind of weather? My flexible flyer, Johnny. <laughs> what do you think I'm pulling behind me, a bulldozer? My goodness, this sled. Isn't it awfully cold for you, Mr. Old Timer? Not if I keep moving, daughter. Me and some of the other kids, the younger crowd, are <laughs> going out to Dugan's Hill to do some belly. <laughs> stomach busters. <laughs> I know, buckle bruisers. Yeah. Want to come along, Johnny? I'll share my sled with you. I'll use it going down, and you can use it coming up. <laughs> 50, 50. 
50. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I got work to do. Yes, he's going to shovel snow all the way down to the Elks Club, it looks like. <laughs> Is that so? Well, different people like different things. Me, I like coasting. I'm going to try to bust my own record for the bobsled run at Dugan's Hill. Your own record? Set it last year, daughter. Went down that run in 13 seconds. Well, that's half a mile. In 13 seconds? Yep. May take a little longer with a sled, of course. <laughs> hey, Sonny, wait for me. Got to hook a truck, can't see you later, Go home. You're worn out and it's too dark to see anymore anyhow. I guess so. What a break. All our Christmas presents locked in the hall closet and no key. How do I get into these messes anyhow? Well, I don't know, but you do it so easily, dearie. <laughs> Come on, let's go home. Okay, I'm worn out. I'm beat like the seat of a jockey's pants. I'm as bushed as the left-hand Smith brother. <laughs> I know, dear. Sorry. Here, now, let me carry Mr. Williams' snow shovel a while. Oh, I'll throw it in a snowdrift. My gosh, what kind of a cheap snow scoop is that anyhow? Can't even find a ring of keys with a cheap thing. Well, who, 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 who's that crossing the street? Uh, why, McGee, I believe it's Mr. Wimple. Yeah, Wallace Wimple. Hi, Wimple. Hello, Mr. Wimple. Hello, folks. <laughs> well, it's good to see you again, Wimple. Yes, are you looking forward to a nice Christmas, Mr. Wimple? Oh, yes. I had a wonderful time last night, too, Mrs. McGee. Sweetie Face, that's my big old wife. (laughs) Sweetie Face helped out at the kindergarten Christmas party, and I went along. Oh, sounds big time, all right. Yes. She got all dressed up as Santa Claus and came down the big brick chimney for the kitty. Isn't that nice? Yes. (laughs) Somebody lit the most beautiful fire in the fireplace. Just as she was halfway down. Oh, did she get hot about that? <laughs> Built a fire while she was in the chimney. Gee, what happened, Wimp? Oh, the kitties loved it. They did? They'd never seen a Santa Claus with a pack of toys come through the side of a chimney before. <laughs> Bricks all over the place. <laughs> well, I'll leave you here. You're home. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. One nice thing about seeing Wimp with all the grief that poor guy has, I forget my own troubles. What was I worrying about? Oh, yeah, my key ring and all the keys. Hi, Mr. McGee. What are you kids doing on our front porch? Don't you know you'll catch cold out here? No, McGee, don't be cross with the children. It's almost Christmas Eve. Well, gee whiz, can't they take a hint? They'll have to come in the house now. Can't have them catch cold out here. You see, kids, see, I told you he would. Come on in, children. Close the door. Yeah, close the door. Come on in, children. Close the door. <laughs> You wouldn't come to my house, Mr. McGee, so I brought Kenny and Buddy and Johnny and Ratty over here with a surprise. Yeah, 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 sure, mm-hmm. surprise. Okay, get it over with. Sing it. Well, Kenny and Ratty and Buddy and Johnny and I were practicing our Christmas carols last night, and right in front of our house we found these keys. Yeah, okay. Sing it in any old key item. <laughs> keys? Sure. It says Fibber McGee and no reward on him, and you're the only Fibber. Oh, my key. And after me shoveling snow all day long to... Oh, Teeny, why didn't you tell me you found my keys? You didn't give me a chance, mister. All day long I tried to tell you. Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, I'm sorry I was such a melonhead about it, sis, but 
You know me. I'm I'm apt to be a little grouchier than usual around Christmas time. Gee, why, Mr. McGee? Most people are a lot more cheerful, I betcha. Yeah, but I guess... Well, I can explain that, Teeny. You see, he's very sentimental. He's got to act a little tough or he goes all to pieces. Now, you take a Christmas carol, for instance. Can you take a Christmas carol, dearie? Huh? Oh, I love him. But, but, but I, I don't want people to know it. They might take advantage of me. Go ahead, sis. Sing me a carol. But don't anybody ask me to sign my life insurance over to him right afterwards, because I'll do it. <laughs> okay. Come on, Randy and Kenny and Johnny and Buddy. A one and a two and a three. Of his head, 
chuckle and a smile I knew all the while I had nothing to dread He spoke not a word But went straight to his work And filled all the stock Then turned with a jerk And laying off the finger aside of his nose And giving a nod up the chimney he rolled. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team, gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the dawn of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, and he drove on a NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. All right, from 1947. We got one more time. We're playing the Hall of Survivor next. So yesterday, USA went tonight, January 3, 2018. I'm Wong Hughes here in Costa Mesa, California. Jaws Professional Run Dialog Escape Open Edit Combo Escape Desktop Folder View List View My Documents Enter Document C Christmas Enter Items View H Halls of Ivy Folder Enter Halls 1 Item 1 Item Number 2101950 The Snowman.wav Enter
Ladies and gentlemen, the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, presents The Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the beer that made Milwaukee famous. If you like good beer, you'll find it pays to be curious and learn about Schlitz for yourself. And now, the Halls of Ivy. We love the Halls of Ivy That surround us here today Welcome again to Ivy. Ivy College, that is, in the town of Ivy, USA. Five people didn't go to bed at all last night here at Ivy. Grogan, the campus policeman who was making his rounds. Two sophomores and a freshman who were investigating certain mathematical phenomena, uh, such as the odds against drawing to an inside straight. And Dr. William Todd Hunter Hall, the president of Ivy, who's been working at his desk in the study of his home since uh, shortly after dinner yesterday. The chapel bell is striking eight as his wife, the former Victoria Cromwell of the London stage, enters and says... Good morning, Dr. Hall. Good morning. And congratulations. You've just set a new record for going without sleep. Any statement for the press, champ? Uh, yes, I, I'm glad to bring the cup back to Ivy, where it belongs. And I'm looking forward with great confidence to the international match in Brussels next spring. Oh, poor uh, darling. How do you feel? Surprisingly well, if the ability to cope with whimsy on an empty stomach is at all indicative. Do I look awful? Mm, interesting, rather. One so seldom sees a chartreuse complexion. Bad as that, eh? Well, it's worth it. One seldom sees an annual report as superb as the one I've just finished writing. Here, have a look. Let's see. The state of the college. Or, in the vernacular, out of the red and over the hump with Hall. Mm. <laughs> you sound enormously set up about it. Yes, I've reason to be. I had no idea how much I'd accomplished last year until I put it all down in black and white. The endowment fund is up, the building fund is up, enrollments are up. And what are you doing up? Will you be working very much longer this morning? No, I'm ready for bed. Well, good. Penny will be right in with your overcoat and hat. My overcoat and hat? Vicky, we've been married long enough for me to make a confession. I never go to bed wearing an overcoat and hat. I'm one of those odd fellows who slips between the sheets wearing only pajamas. I know I should have revealed this oh, before, stop. but I... <laughs> I told Penny to bring in our hats and coats because I'm taking you for a walk. A short walk for relaxation, a light breakfast, and then a good long sleep. Excuse then me, feel... Mum. Yes, I Penny. brought your things. Good morning, sir. Oh, good morning, Penny. I'll take those. Thank you. You're looking well this morning, Penny. Thank you very kindly, sir. And you're looking... It's a very nice morning for a walk. <laughs> you don't say. Yes, sir. It snowed last night. The first real snow we've had this year. And it's ever so lovely. Makes one want to go out and throw snowballs at top hats. <laughs> well, feel free to do so whenever the spirit moves you, Penny. <laughs> 
I'm ready, Victoria. Uh, Penny, you didn't by any chance notice a snowman on our front lawn, did you? Should I have, sir? Well, after the first really good snowfall of the year, the students had the custom of building a snowman in front of the home of each faculty member. Uh, you've heard of that, haven't you? No, sir. And the more affection they have for you, the larger the snowman they build. There ain't one on our lawn. <laughs> Allow me, sir. Why, I dare say the snow fell too late for them to have taken advantage of it last night. Which way should we walk, Toddy? Long faculty row? Yes, that'll do nicely. Be back in half an hour, Penny. That custom the students have, it, it's almost cruel in oh, a way. Not in the least. I admit it must seem so to those members of the faculty for whom very small snowmen are built, but, but they survive. Uh, Professor Heeslip, for example, has survived years of snowmen not much larger than a Drosophila fruit fly. Oh. <laughs> Professor Heeslip is lucky the students built any token of affection on his lawn. If anything, his personality suggests excavation. <laughs> and the report I've just finished makes it more certain than ever he won't get my job. His carefully cultivated friendship with the chairman of the board notwithstanding. It's really a smashing report, Vicky. I raised almost a million dollars in endowments, built... Built what? What's wrong? Look... There's a snowman in front of Professor Quinn Cannon's house. Oh. Well, the snow came early enough after all. Hmm. Well, perhaps, perhaps it wasn't the students, Toddy. Professor Quinn Cannon has two children. They may have built it. Children build snowmen too, you know. Yeah, of course, that must be it. I, I mean, after all, there's no reason to suppose that students would build one for Quinn Cannon and overlook me, is there? I, I mean, there's no reason to suppose they're antagonistic to me. I, I mean, I, I, I don't see why they should be. Do you? No, of course they're not. Um, you were telling me about your smashing report. Toddy, come on. Hmm? Oh, oh, yes, yes, my um, uh, report. I... Well, I suppose I shouldn't have said it's a, a, a smashing report. It, it's not really smashing, but, but it's a darn good one. I believe I may say, without immodesty, that I'm good at my job. After all, a college president must have ability and... and Keenness and, of vision? Well, all college presidents have keen vision. A few, in fact, can even see themselves in the White House in 1952. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I knew a man once who... I'm listening to what? What are you staring at? A snowman in Professor Howard's front yard. Oh, yes. Oh, I suppose Professor Howard's children must have built one, too. Professor Howard is a bachelor. Oh, yes, of course. I'd forgotten. Well, then, Professor Quinn Cannon's children must have come over from next door. I remember when I was a child, I used to build snowmen all over the place. Couldn't get enough of them. Fairly cover the landscape and build one in front of my house and one next door and then one further down the street. Yes, they, they, they could have come over from next door, couldn't they? Quinn Cannon's children, I mean. Well, of course they could. They could have jumped over the hedge yes. or, or even come around that way through the gates. Mm -hmm. It's not much more than 30 paces. <laughs> and you know, they're very active youngsters, positively hyperthyroid. They are. <laughs> Oh, one probably said to the other, let's build one now on old Howard's lawn. Yes, exactly. As a matter of fact, I seem to remember having heard children shouting something like that earlier this morning. Um, you were telling me about your report. Hmm? Your report. 
I want to hear more about how darn good it is. Oh, well, I suppose I shouldn't have said it's a darn good report. It's, it's not really. It, it's a fair report. <laughs> a little more. Vicky, uh, darling, you spend much more time with the students than I do, really. What with your coaching the junior follies and all, you haven't heard any... any grumbling about my administration, have you? None, Toddy, none. Ah. It wasn't a very tall hedge, you know. Quinn Cannon's children could have jumped over it. Or crashed through. I mean, they're very sturdy. Oh, it's the most natural thing in the world. Yes, Toddy, um, let's turn down this street. I'm rather tired of faculty row. Same old hedges, same old houses. This street seems very charming. Really? You find that row of garbage pails charming? Oh, well, I suppose not. Oh, dear. There's a snowman in front of Professor Warren's house, too. Yes, the young Quincannons have had a quite a busy morning. <laughs> good morning, Doctor. Ah, good morning, Dr. Warren. Good morning, Mrs. Hall. Good morning. Out for a stroll? Yes, we're out for a stroll. Well, I find there's nothing like it on a morning like this for getting rid of the doldrums. Don't you? Occasionally. Uh, we, were, we were just admiring the snowman in your front yard. It has a great deal of character. Oh, it's a pip, isn't it? I know it's not supposed to be good form for a faculty member to pay any attention to this sort of thing. But when you're 70, as I am, hypocrisy is too much of a strain. I just look at that gleaming monster and glow, Doctor. Glow. <laughs> well, I don't blame you. And yet, uh, the custom in some cases can be cruel, don't you think? I mean, the, the ones that don't get built. Nope. It's not the custom that's cruel. It's the crushing impact of truth. Some people can't stand up under it at all. You take a president of Ivy we had in 1900. That's before your time. Bessemer was his name. One year, every member of the staff had a snowman except Bessemer. Old Pop Gut Bessemer. <laughs> he resigned a few weeks later for reasons of health, of course. Oh, that seems very impulsive of him, a little drastic. Well, Ivy's a small school and always has been. Personalities play a much bigger part than they do at some of these giant diploma factories. You wouldn't care to continue as president if you knew that students had much rather tie a can to your tail, would you, Doctor? Well, now, that, that, that's an interesting way to put it, but uh, no, I suppose not. Why, of course not. You look at it this way, Mrs. Hall. Teaching hardly ever pays off in money. The average prof makes only about 2500 a year. And it hardly ever pays off in glory. I myself can name ten baseball players or burlesque queens, bless them, <laughs> for every teacher you can bring to mind. Well, then, what makes an old party like me, the last of the tobacco-chewing professors, or a man like your husband stay with it? Pride in the job, I suppose. Pride in the job. That and the feeling that maybe we're helping the young savages become not scholars, but men and women, and that they appreciate it. Take that away and what's left? Absolute zero. <laughs> Here I am lecturing the president. Tell you, when you arrive at my age and succeed in conning people to regard you as a lovable old gaffer, you get away with murder. <laughs> Care to come in for coffee? Uh, no, 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 thank you. We, we have breakfast waiting at home. That's the wisest decision you've made today. In all the world, no one concocts as nauseating a cup of coffee as I do. 
I'll see you soon, I hope, ma'am. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye, Dr. Warren. He's a pip, isn't he? My snowman. The very word for it, he's a pip. Careful, don't slip on that snow. Uh, by the way, Vicky, uh, did I... Did I tell you I received a letter from Quesnel University this week? I don't believe you did, Toddy. Why? Well, they hadn't heard of the renewal of my contract as president here at Ivy, and they've made me a very flattering offer. Um, treasurer of the university. At almost the same salary I have here. Toddy! Uh, further, and, um, or oh, perhaps of more importance, it's a, it's a purely administrative job. I wouldn't come into contact with students at all. Not... Not, not ever. Toddy! They requested the, the courtesy of a reply this week. It's, it's really a most flattering offer. I, I, I rather think, uh, think I'll accept... Yes, yes, I think it would be best... was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the beer that made Milwaukee famous. We'll return to the halls of Ivy starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman in just a moment, as soon as we hear how a young actor got his first taste of fame. Offhand, one would say there's scarcely a rhyme and hardly a reason for associating Shakespeare with Schlitz beer. But perhaps I better start at the beginning of my story. Our little theater group was putting on Romeo and Juliet, and I, I was this year's Romeo. Being uh, handicapped by two left feet and an instinctive dread of high places, I, I don't mind telling you that climbing that balcony gave me a good deal of trouble in spite of um, considerable extra practice on my part. After our dress rehearsal, I still wasn't satisfied with my agility, so I decided to make a few practice climbs before calling it a night. As I reached the balcony the second time, I happened to glance down. And there below me, I saw the rest of the cast gathered around drinking beer. The labels on the bottles told me it was Schlitz. And the expressions on the faces of my fellow players told me I was missing something. I knew Schlitz by reputation, but not by taste. So I climbed down from the balcony to find out what I was missing. If you could have seen me standing there in full Shakespearean costume, tasting Schlitz for the first time, you might have expected me to say something like, Pon my soul, what beer is this that lies so pleasantly upon the tongue? <laughs> but no, I just stood there speechless, grinning from ear to ear. The director, sensing my plight, said, it seems that words can fail even an actor at a time like this. Let me say it for you. No wonder they call Schlitz the beer that made Milwaukee famous. Returning to the halls of Ivy, we find a dispirited Dr. Hall strolling in the snow along faculty row with Mrs. Hall. You're very quiet, Victoria. Hmm, I know. I'm concentrating. 
trying to think of the right thing to say. Oh, you don't have to say anything, my dear. The silent eloquence of the students has left very little unsaid. Toddy, I know how you must feel. In a small way, I've been through it a number of times in the theater. Playing for laughter and applause and getting the rustle of programs and a few coughs. You can say to yourself, chin up and good show and carry on, all that. And over it all, you can hear the lorries backing up to the stage door to haul the scenery away. This time, they're going to haul the actor away from the scenery. (laughs) And after I'd convinced myself that I'd given such a sterling performance. Smashing report, indeed. Would it help if I tried a recital of Kipling's If? It kills them in the provinces. <laughs> it's likely to prove lethal here, too. But thank you, my dear, anyway. As organizer and sole member of the William Todd Hunter Hall Fan Club, you've done some noble work. Oh, Toddy, you don't have to try and laugh it off for me. Get it out of your system, darling. Blow up! Curse the Board of Governors. <laughs> And their promise that I wouldn't have to spend my time wangling emoluments. Curse my folly in believing them. To the devil with all fatheads who kept me away from the students. Bah! Oh, that was lovely. No wonder they feel no affection for me. I'm so seldom with them. Not not that to know me is to, to love me, you understand. I understand nothing of the sort. I know you very well and I'm mad about you. How difficult it is to... Oh, thank you, my dear. (laughs) How difficult it is to maintain contact with the student body. One college president I know scheduled a speech to the senior class for the sole purpose of proving that he actually did exist. Oh. And that... That's what's wrong with my report. Toddy, I'm sure it's a superb report. No, on the contrary. I I omitted all reference, beyond a few statistics, to the most important part of any school, the students, and what they think about the state of Ivy. I should have found time to teach more courses. Look at Hutchins at Chicago and Conant at Harvard. The students are what make a college, not campus buildings and installations. Diogenes discoursed from a tub. And his students listened, and it was a school. Toddy, look, talking of tubs, I see Professor Heeslip. Well. <laughs> oh, yes. Through this hedge. He's just leaving his front door. Is there a, a, a snowman on his lawn? Yes, a very small one, which he has just made larger with two handfuls of snow. Oh, he's heard us and stepped back. Well, hello there. Good morning, Skipper. Good morning, fair lady. Good morning. Uh, good morning, he slippers. A nice snowman you have there. Yes, it's a very nice little one. Oh, <laughs> you should have seen it before the sun came up and melted it. Amazing how quickly it went. Uh, this is the warmest part of Faculty Row, you know. Oh, really? <laughs> I found the whole area very cold. Oh, that's a mistake, Skipper. That snowman was inches lower. I, I mean higher, a few minutes ago. It melted down considerably. Also, the boys and girls happen to have chosen a slight dip in the ground on which to build it. Actually, much taller than it looks. Optical illusion, you know. Not that I pay any attention to such things, of course. Of course. I'm happy the students like me as much as they do. Of course. I've often asked myself why. Naturally, I don't court their affection. I'm very strict, but a fair pedagogue, if I say so myself. Uh, perhaps it's the occasional humor with which I sprinkle my lectures. For example? 
Oh, uh, well, uh, why, well, well, yesterday, uh, I was discussing uh, nature references in the poetry of the more eminent Victorians, one of whom referred to a dogwood tree in some lyric or other. I asked my students if they knew how to distinguish a dogwood tree, and when they said they didn't, uh, I told them. By its bark. <laughs> well, uh, I must be getting to class. Uh, good morning, Skipper. Good morning, Heaslip. Good morning, fair lady. Good morning. The warmest part of faculty row, indeed. <laughs> and yet, for the sake of that little snowman, I think I'd almost be willing to change places with Heaslip. Mm, to be a little bit rough on me. What are the boys and girls, as he calls them, see in the man. Oh, it's true he has no enemies, but that's more than balanced by the fact that none of his friends like him. <laughs> well, let's turn back, Toddy. Oh, this is probably one of the last times we'll ever stroll along here, Victoria. It's an attractive little street, isn't it? Yes. I've lived here a long time. And I've loved it here. You see that house across the way? Mm-hmm. I had a furnished room there when I was an instructor. On the top floor. Kitchen privileges. Female visitors permitted only as far as the front parlor. Please turn out the light before leaving the room. Mm, Liberty Hall, wasn't it? <laughs> then when I was appointed assistant professor, I moved over to this side of the street. Sitting room, bedroom and bath. Hot plate permitted. No wild parties. Oh, what exactly was a wild party at Ivy in those days? If I remember correctly, more than two people laughing at the same time. Uh, but then, then I allowed my appointment to a full professorship to go to my head, and, and I rented that Charles Adams mansion over there. Oh, it wasn't a Charles Adams mansion. It was a wonderful old place to live. Yes, it was, wasn't it? I mean, after I brought you there. It was fairly empty when I occupied it all by myself. It echoed... Empty and unsatisfying, and nothing I did with it. New furniture, new drapes, fresh paint seemed to propitiate the fat little gods of the hearth. Until you offered them me as a human sacrifice, eh? <laughs> you might very well have been mistaken for a human sacrifice as I handed you down from the taxi that first morning. You were scared to death. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I'd never had a home of my own before. Just hotel rooms and flats and theater dressing rooms. Look, here we are, driver. And, uh, and this is for you. Now, this is our home, Victoria. Oh, William. It's exactly the way I imagined it. All covered with vines and so very peaceful and quiet. And, oh, look! My name's on the letterbox. <laughs> I sent a letter from England asking that it can be done. Professor W. Hall and Mrs. Victoria Cromwell Hall. <laughs> oh, thank you, Toddy, for being such a dear love. Is it always as quiet as this? Yes. Nearly always. And empty. I don't see any students. <laughs> One of them has just seen you. <laughs> you seem to have arrived in more ways than one. Come on, let's go inside. Oh, 
please take my hand? I, I'm suddenly appalled at how little I know about taking care of a household. Uh, hang on tight, darling. I have shortcomings, too. Promise you'll overlook mine until I've learnt my way around. I promise. It'll be a mutual understanding. Now, what did I do with the key? Can't you find it? Well, I could swear I had it in my hand. I thought I... Oh, I do have it in my hand. Oh, oh, you're as nervous as I am, really, aren't you? I'm yeah. so glad. I keep on forgetting you're new at this, too. There. No, 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 wait, wait. What? Wait. There's a little ceremony involved here, a very nice one. I'll carry you across the thresholds, like this. Oh, Toddy, look, a snowman. A snowman? What's a snowman doing in our hallway? Well, don't you see it? The students must have come while we were out walking. Yeah, but they've no right to build one inside the house. And where did they get the snow in May? No, oh, Toddy, it's a snowman. And it isn't May, it's February. Yes, I know, but we... From wherever you were, dear, come back. You have a snowman. Yeah, but I mean... I mean uh, uh, and what? it's the most enormous snowman you've ever seen. Right over there. Oh, oh! Why, it is a snowman. In our front yard. Vicky, I... This is our house, isn't it? Yes, of course it is. Oh, Toddy, you're always losing yourself in your thoughts. Not completely, my darling, because you're always with me. But uh, I... I don't understand this... This Look, snowman. Look, there seems to be a note attached to it. Yes, it's addressed to you. Here, what does it say? Oh, one moment. Uh, to President Hall. The delay in construction is entirely your fault. If you must work nights, please do so in one of the back rooms and avoid those overlooking the front of the house. <laughs> in that way, the traditional anonymity of the bill... They misspelt anonymity. <laughs> the traditional anonymity of the builders will be preserved. Affectionately, classes of 50 to... Fifty-three, inclusive. Well, now. Hmm. hmm. Of course, it was probably a good bit larger when they first put it up. <laughs> After all, this is the warmest part of Faculty Row, you know. Yeah, I know. Could you stand a bit of breakfast and some sleep now? Uh, breakfast, by all means, but no sleep as yet. Remember, I have the report to get out. Another report? The same one, but better. Far better and a great deal more inclusive. Directly after breakfast, I shall want to see the presidents of every class in my study. Yes, and the officers of all student organizations, too. All at once in your little study? Oh, 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 we'll get them in, my dear. We'll get them in. Look at that snowman. It's good packing today. <laughs> I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the beer that made Milwaukee famous. And now, here again is Mr. Ronald Coleman. The campaign to fight heart disease, this country's leading cause of death, is now underway. Diseases of the heart and blood vessels take an annual toll of more than 600,000 men, women, and children. A staggering number indeed. This dreaded menace accounts for one death out of every three, a greater toll of lives than the next five causes of death combined. 
This year, give generously in support of this wonderful cause. Send your contributions to Heart, care of your local post office. Open your heart. Give to fight heart disease. Thank you. Good night. Good night, everyone. We'll be seeing you next week at this time at the Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. The other players were Alan Reed, Gloria Gordon, and Arthur Q. Bryan. Tonight's script was written by Walter Brown Newman and Don Quinn. Our music was composed and conducted by Henry Russell. The Halls of Ivy was created by Don Quinn and directed by Nat Wolf. From the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company and the Halls of Ivy, our heartiest congratulations to station WTIC in Hartford, Connecticut, on this, their 25th anniversary. Ken Carpenter speaking. Oh, we love the Halls of Ivy That surround us here today And we will not forget Next, hear We the People over most of these same NBC stations. Okay, we'll talk to you later tonight with Patricia. Alt-Tab, Christmas, Alt-Tab, Halls, Alt-Tab, 1, Alt-Tab, MS, Alt-Tab, SoundForge Pro 11.0. Escape, escape, sound, escape, escape. Enter, zero point, enter. Menu, file A, leaving menus, sound one star. Save as dialog, file name, sound one, edit. W-E-D-A-E-S-D-A-Y. N I G H T S E C O N D P C D I T A P A T R I C I A one two two blank dash three dash one eight save as type combo save but enter sound one star JAWS Professional, welcome to Skype. Press JAWS key plus H for a list of alt page down. Menu, alt tab, leaving menu bar, unknown, alt tab. Alt tab, the new alt tab, sound forge pro. Le-